Hey guys, brand new podcast, and we've got merch at BurtBurtBurt.com. That's right, new BurtCast shirt right there. We've got the Whiskey Cock Lock Dog. Oh, shit. And we also got the Whiskey Cock Lock Dog glass. These cups are fucking awesome. 32 ounces filled with crust ice. A little bit of a... And then you can... In the pool. Can't break it. These I love these fucking cups. I love these cups. Um... Today's podcast is awesome. By the way, I'm planning some stuff for the road. I haven't announced it yet. And when I do know that it's for certain, I will announce it. We're planning big stuff. I don't know. It, by, the, by the way, everything we're planning is 100% safe. We'll see if it happens. You never know. Anyway, today's podcast is fucking awesome. Sometimes you're a fan of a guy from afar and you see him doing stuff and you're like, God, he's so talented. But you go, would we get along? Like, would we, would we like each other? I, I, I checked out his podcast uh take your shoes off and i watched a couple episodes one with andrew santino's fucking awesome the guy and then he got and then he like posted a thing that i loved about like about about podcasters we talk about that right up front we talk about it about how he gives a fuck about his podcast i give a fuck about this podcast i will tell you right now i give a fuck about this podcast so much so that we're building a new studio we just do a lucky penny in the foundation today we're building a new studio. That new studio will be up and running. When we are out of quarantine, we will be over there shooting the new podcast. And we're going hard as fuck. I care about this podcast. So I love anyone who gives a shit about their podcast. I fell in love with this guy. He was on Undateable. I didn't really watch Undateable as much as I watched his YouTube series called The Sixth Lead. I think it was called The Sixth Lead. And it was something he did uh, on set. And it was about him being kind of like the side guy and how to expand the story. It was really fucking well done. And it had me laughing out loud. Now, anyone who can make me laugh out loud by writing something, having a funny idea, writing it down, filming it, editing it, and putting it online. If you can do that and make me laugh, you are in my graces forever. I'm a ride or die for you because I know that you did that magic trick once. I know you can do it again. It's so fucking hard. No, no one really ever ever talks about how hard that is. I think we've talked about it a couple times on this podcast and I've, and I've, I've said it a lot. And the reason is I've written scripts, I've written ideas, I've had ideas, I've shot them, but very seldomly does your idea from inception turn out the way you want it to. And his did, and he did it himself. He directed it all himself. He wrote it all himself. He starred in it. He cast it. And it was all around, uh, undateable, which was one of the shows he was on. He is, an amazing actor. He really is an amazing actor. He's a fantastic comedian and he is an amazing podcaster. And I was, I was unsure how we were going to get along and boy, we got along fucking awesome. We really did. I absolutely love this guy. He is so interesting. We talk about uh, his diagnosis of autism. I think I'm saying that right. I hope that doesn't sound horrible, but, and how it was a revelation for him and how he started seeing that his behavior was, uh, exactly who he is and how he needs to accept his behavior. And by the way, I have a lot of weird behaviors that I don't accept. And he called me out on them. For instance, we talked about if someone has bad breath, what are you supposed to do? Exactly what you're supposed to do. We talk about that. We talk about what I would do. And then we talk about what you're supposed to do. Um, we have an absolutely fantastic conversation, a very open, honest back and forth. That was probably no lie. One of the more enjoyable podcasts I've done in quarantine. With, I'll tell you this much. I, I would say 
he performs better than I do in this podcast. I'm just open and I think I might talk too much, but he performs better in this podcast than I do. It is a great fucking conversation. And by the way, he hit me up right after and he's like, yo, I got those, uh, I got those gummies for you. If you want one, I can, you can come by my house. I'll drop them out through the window. And I was, I almost took him up on it, but I, I think I had to go for a bike ride with the girls or something. Or maybe I was going, I want to say I had a beer this night. I don't know. It doesn't matter. You're going to love him. Go see his podcast. Take your shoes off. It's on YouTube. Uh, it's where you find podcasts. Uh, and then I would also implore you to go to YouTube and find the sixth lead. Am I saying that right? It's the sixth lead, right, Alston? Um, it's the short series he did based around him as an actor on Undateable. Is it the si- sixth lead? I'm almost positive. Alston's Googling it. By the way, do you like this hat? I would, I would tell you right now what hat I'd like to do. I'd like to do this hat for Burtcast. I'll tell you the real hat I want to do. Yes, it's called the sixth lead. It is called the sixth lead. I'm yeah. still fat, everybody, and I think you just found out I'm bald. Anyway, look at this. Wouldn't that be a cool fucking hat? Like a visor? You know how hard it is to find visors like this? Hey, if anyone can help me find these big visors. I like these old school, like, big visors. This one's dirty from our fucking dog. If you can help me find those, I'd like to put some of those in production. Anyway, find his YouTube series, The Sixth Lead. It really is enjoyable. Check out his podcast. Take your shoes off. Um, find him on social media. Give him a follow. And, uh, and that's it. You're going to love this conversation. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Rick Glassman. Oh my God, I just fucking, what are you drinking, Rick? I have so many drinks here, my friend. I have a coffee, a water, and my green smoothie. Oh, wow. And I would love to talk about what everything I put into this green smoothie, but I don't know how much time we have. Uh, I, would, I would love to talk to that. Are we recording, Halston? You good, Halston? Can I tell you, I was obsessed with green smoothies for a while, like literally obsessed. I would, but I would make myself sick to my stomach because I would put probably nine stalks of kale in it, uh, a green apple, and I have I have a not like obsessive compulsive. I do have obsessive compulsiveness, but I have obsessive behaviors. Like I like to do things to the tenth degree. So for me, I'd party and over the week or whatever, and then I'd go, "Let's get healthy Monday morning," and I would put so much green shit, I'd feel sick to my stomach. And that's your problem. You thought that you could cheat the system by yeah. blending it. My girlfriend gave me some advice that I don't know if it's changed my life, but it's changed my smoothies. Never put anything in the blender that I wouldn't eat right now as is. That's I, the reason I put it in a blender is because I would never eat it. And, that, and now, now, now what, what are you doing with your green smoothies? You're not I drinking got, them. I've stopped drinking them. Yeah, so I was putting in way too many nuts because it's like, oh, it's like, it's like liquid now. I could shoot it. And then I was... I, I put in a little, it's only green from a little bit of spinach. And then I have the collagen proteins. I have my hemp seeds. I have my bullshits. I have my water, my ice and blah, blah, blah. Little bit. And now it's, it's easy to drink. I feel good. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that when you, when you try and cheat the system, the smoothie doesn't lie. I've always wanted to cheat the system. That's the way I go by life. Is that real or is that like a fun thing to say? No, that's I mean, you just said it. I just am I'm copying you because as soon as you said it, you're trying to cheat the system. You're like, I, I said, that's exactly what I do. That's entirely what I do. What, what else have you cheated I'm the system? To, I'm trying to cheat the system. I'm trying to get cram health into one drink so that I can 
like kind of like forgive my lifestyle. Okay. So when, when we drink a smoothie to cram in, we're not enjoying it. We're not wanting it. It's not going to happen. You know what I mean? Like, but it's not, but nothing's about, okay, this is a really great place to start because nothing's about enjoying it. See, I enjoy what I enjoy is really bad for me. Well, that, that's just, that's just perspective. That's because these, I like cocaine and whores and fighting. Like, okay. I also like magic, the gathering and watching movies and jerking off, you know, like there's a lot of things you like, (laughs) but, but so, so I got on the treadmill today. <clears throat> and I ran five miles. I don't enjoy that. If I do it, because I feel like I'm work, I'm working up. I'll give you a perfect example. Sometimes I go on bike rides with my daughters. Not technically because I enjoy it, because I don't want them to be whores. That's why. Because you don't want them to be whores, right? So I go. I'm going to put these investments in now, so right. that when they're later in life, they go. That's right. I had a good dad. I don't need this validation from this guy in the back of a car. So you think that girls that, uh that have sex with a lot of guys, it's because their dad didn't go on bike rides with them. Yeah, 100%. I think you're trying to cheat the system. I'm always, hold on one second. I'm, you, you hit the nail on the head within okay. fucking 30 seconds. I am always, I'm, I'm, right now I'm eating these vitamin packs. They're called animal packs. I know They're the pack. super aggressive vitamins. And I'm eating them every single day with chased by a granola bar. Because I'm, I'm cheating the system. I mean, that's my whole makeup. What have you cheated the system in where you feel like up until this point it worked for you? Oh, uh, my career. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't go to school. I, I went to college for six and a half years. I didn't fucking study. I didn't do anything. I just partied my balls off. That's and not then, cheating. And then Rolling Stone magazine discovered me, called me the number one party animal in the country. Hail Mary pass. I get a career. That's cheating the system. All right. We don't know each other. Okay. Not only are we meeting each other, we're doing it on this podcast. So I don't know how far down to go into this, but go deep, go deep. I, I, I I know enough. I know enough of you. I, first of all, I love the sixth lead. I loved it. I watched it from beginning to end. It was so fucking entertaining. And it, it was just something that came up into my feed. And I went, Hey, what's this? And I watched it beginning to end. I've watched your podcast. Thanks, man. I so and, and and I ran into you at Starbucks the other day and With didn't Moshe. say hi. And I walked away and I went, I know him. And so he went, that's Rick Glassman. I went, oh fuck. I should have said hi. I'm sorry. So uh for I don't want to digress too much, but even if you didn't know who I was, you know, you we should always say hi. Yeah. You know, like but uh, Whoever we were with, who were we with that day? You were with Moshe. I was with my girlfriend. Yeah, Moshe just started it off and I went, Oh, they must know each other from Temple. So my <laughs> uh uh, we, we, uh, we didn't meet in temple. I can't imagine he ever goes to temple. Uh, I didn't even know he was Jewish until like a month ago, to be honest with you. Um, my girlfriend called me, my girlfriend lives in London and, uh, she's, she's just knows, she knows podcasts. She knows, loves podcasts and she's a fan of yours. And, and, uh, she was at Starbucks and when I was on my way over, excuse me, she said, Bird is there. Now, this story I'm telling you, I'm not being completely vulnerable, but this is like, uh, this is the dark side of <laughs> like what it is that we do. When we were going there, she's like, Bird's there. And, and, and I thought to myself, in a completely transparent, superficial podcast way, I was like, ooh, maybe, <laughs> like, I wonder if, 
And then when I saw you with Moshe, I was like, oh, cool, there's an end, but I couldn't execute. I'm like, I can't, I could have these fantasies, but I can't like, I used to, as a kid, I used to, I didn't kiss a girl until right before I graduated high school. I was almost 18 before my first kiss. And I mean, like that kind of kiss. And my fantasies used to be, I want some guy to beat the shit. I mean, not really, I don't want her to get hurt, but like push her into a locker or, you know, fight her. And then I could step in. Like, I, I couldn't even imagine just saying, would you like to go out? I was imagining beating somebody up, like this big gesture or whatever. So when I was walking over to Starbucks, I remembered me in high school doing that because I was thinking that about, the, maybe someone beats him up or, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it'll come on my podcast. I'm like, oh, Rick, this is what you hate about everything, you know? Dude, I live in those fantasies. When I was a kid, I would bring my glove to baseball games, to pro games, and I would fantasize on the ride over. At one point, the coach would be like, God damn it. We're out of gloves and we need a third baseman. Fuck. <laughs> Kreischer! Kreischer! And I'd be like, Dad. And my dad would be like, God damn it. You were right for once. Wait a minute. You weren't even on the team? W- it was professional baseball games. There was oh, no way oh, There was oh, no way that oh. the Phillies in spring training would be like, we need a child to play. Th-. It was <laughs> angels in the outfield. Right, yeah. Funky so, butt but, loving. Yeah, I live in fantasy. I've lived in fantasy my entire life. The reason when I first got into stand-up, I would... I would go to the clubs fantasizing that they would go, we need a comedian and we need one now. And they go, you and I, and my dad on my 26th birthday is like, that's not how it works. Like you got to go introduce yourself. Yeah. Your dad, your dad, it seems like from, from just the stuff I've watched, I watch with you. He's not, he's not too into what you do. He's, he's, I think he is. He just doesn't understand a lot of it. So a lot of it, anything that he doesn't understand, it makes him uncomfortable. And if he's uncomfortable as a man, it makes him a little frustrated. Right. Yeah. And then, and then him telling you how to do it at 26, was that like the extent of the support that you got for this? No, 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 no. I, I got support. I got a lot of support. But when I was 26, he gave me a very, I've said it a lot on this podcast, but a very aggressive speech on my birthday explaining to me uh, wh- uh, how he fucked me up, how I was fucked up, how mm. I would never get right, and how I would never just be a party boy for the rest of my life. That I had, I would never, I had no humility. It was a really aggressive speech the morning of my 26th birthday. And it fixed me. It fixed me 100%. And it put me on the right path. So it was like the best speech you could ever get. That I would argue he should have given to both my sisters, but never did. I want to go back to the, che- the cheating the system shit. Yeah. If um, uh, I'm a basketball player and I'm very good. And if I were to cheat the system the way you're saying by not by not putting in the work at school and blah, blah, blah. Me not going to practice isn't cheating the system. It's just not putting me in the best place to thrive. Right. Uh, some people don't practice that much and are still good. Cheating the system would be like taking steroids. Yeah. So I, I just think, I think you're being hard on yourself. I don't think you're cheating. I think you're just a lazy, <laughs> lucky. Yeah. I'm a lazy, lucky person. No, I really kidding. believe that. I, no, I believe that I... I, I am always looking for a quick fix. When it comes to health, at least, yeah. 100% I'm looking for a quick fix. Oh, like, right. That's why. The smoothie. Yeah. So if you start enjoying, like, it seems like you found a way to enjoy fitness. You have turned it into a routine. Like, you're now, I'm watching you on the treadmill, not because I'm watching you on the treadmill, but because you're being funny in your Insta stories. Mm-hmm. So for you, and I connect to this a lot, by finding finding some type of pleasure in something that is good for you, that's not cheating the system. That's, 
that's that's finding a way to make it work. You know, and like and yeah. and the way to do that with a smoothie is make it taste good. Don't try and fucking get your all your days protein in there. Make it taste good. Yeah, I I, I feel like uh, like I feel like everything I do, even even like uh, when when like Tom, Tom Segura and I did a weight loss challenge like three years ago, and I I didn't do it the right way. I just said I'll just run thirteen miles a day, four, fifteen miles a day, and not that's eat. And so much running. Oh yeah, I was I I've got, but that's the way my brain works. My brain doesn't work in like a in like a let's do this the right way. Like Tom just dieted and worked out and ate healthy and clean and didn't drink. And I just drank and then would punish myself in the mornings. And then, and then, I mean, that's why I, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why, but it's so funny. As soon as you said, you're trying to cheat the system. I was like, yeah, that's it. That's it. But not like if say with sports, it wasn't like with sports, like sports. I always kind of was like, I just, I, I always was like, put in the work. I get it. But with like health, I don't know why it's with health. Like I like I'm always looking for like because it's boring. It's going to the boring. gym and picking stuff up is boring. It's and, and, and anyone can do it. Yeah, I mean, I guess. I mean, you know, but they don't. Yeah, but but that's my thing. Anyone that, could do this. No. Yeah. You just tweeted the other day. You just tweeted the other day, and I agree agreed with it. Just, I put a lot of work into my podcast. Like I put a lot of work into caring about an interview, like giving. That's what I'm saying. You have to, you have to, you can't just, you have to, as anyone could put in work and make something. Yeah. 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 But like, but, but you said this the other day and I may be misquoting you or I may be reading way too into it, but you said, I'm not a fan of these. Let me refer. Let me just say what I feel. And then you tell me if this is what you meant to tweet. I'm not a fan of these big corporations coming in, taking a celebrity, stamping them and go podcaster. It's a hit. Take off. We got you. That's not. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, that is it. And that's not all it is. And I I'm trying to check into myself because why is this triggering me so much? But the other day I've been getting, uh, I, I only, I get high, but I only do edibles. I smoking makes me hurts my throat. And, uh, I found these edibles that just are the best. So I've just been, please share, please share. I'm uh, looking for a quick well, fix. I'm not Ke- drinking. Keaton's my favorite. I have them here because I was thinking I might want to pop one in. So towards the end, but I, I don't know. I don't like getting high when I just meet somebody, but these things uh, brought to you by Camino's. Uh, no, the, uh, the wild cherry excite version. These are the type of high that like, I've been thinking like, Oh, right. This is why you get high. Because yeah. smoking a joint does it for me, but it hurts. So I haven't found really edibles that really just get me 100%. I'm laughing. I'm enjoying everything. So I'm super high and just appreciative and laughing and loving everything. And then for whatever reason, uh, I don't even remember what triggered it. It was probably something on Instagram or uh, you know social somewhere. I'm seeing these, these podcasts and it just sounds bad and it looks bad. And I spend so much time editing. I put in 30 hours a week doing too much that nobody noticed, putting in graphics and fun things and <laughs> animations and bullshit. That, that's my obsessive shit. And I'm like, I have, I get, I have like 15, 16,000. I have like barely any followers. These people have television shows. Just fucking work. Do something. I am, I am reaching out to people on American Idol and interviewing them so I could find <laughs> out how they're doing their live broadcasts, the way it looks so good. 
And these people are putting on where they have it on Zoom and they don't even, they, they don't, they don't even have uh, anything downloaded, separate audio. So there's no mixing. And I'm just, and there's getting like 800,000 views. And there's where I'm being triggered. I work my ass off. And this also, you're, who gives a fuck about your audition process from six years ago on a story that you told nine times? It's, it's not interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm hot and, I'm, and I want to, I'm, and it doesn't matter. But I, I, I'm like, I was livid. And then, and now I'm seeing all these people all these, these people that would, used to not want to do TV and then they started doing TV and then they started doing commercials. And now they're, now I'm in a pandemic. I better, I better get my old castmate and talk about how much I fucking come for an hour. And they're, they're on the new and noteworthy. And it's like, my podcast is the fucking ice. I'm losing $800 a week on this thing. <laughs> I've, I'm in a one bedroom, figure it out. And, and, and then, and, and then I, I tweeted it and, and I don't like speaking badly about people. And it's not even a moral, I'm better than that thing. It's a, I'm afraid that it's going to get to them and it's not going to be my exact words. Yeah. So I, uh, my grandma said, never say last names on a bus. Well, I'll tell you something. <laughs> I, uh, when, I was, when I was single and I would have girls over sometimes and they would leave. And if I, if I were to call a friend or something, I would whisper for another half hour in case their ghost was still in the room or something. <laughs> I'm just paranoid about it. So I tweeted that and I was so scared. Like, I don't want to mention any names, but all of them. <laughs> try, try. I know it's a podcast. Oh, it's a podcast. There's a new one every week. Who cares? I care. Yeah. I care too. I care. I care. I cared so much. When I first started this podcast, Rick, I put so <laughs> much effort into it. I used to do reads. <clears throat> where I would make them like Adam Sandler sketches. We know like, uh, like uh -huh. you do with those audios. Uh -huh. My first one I did was Paul Revere going through a village. So I got all the audio fills of a horse and the night and running through the woods. The British are coming. And I did all the voices. It would take me hours upon hours. The British are coming. The British are coming. Have they told you about four hymns? And the guy's like, no, four hymns. What's that? And he goes, 66% of men lose their hair by the age of 35. I'm not losing my hair. And I turn it into a sketch, right? Yeah. Yeah. No one gave a fuck. No one. I mean, people would email me and go, hey, man, I hope you're not wasting your time on these because I skipped through them. And I was like, I thought I had cracked the code. I would bring advertising to the next level. And I would do these sketches. I'd announce tour dates. And no one gave a fuck. And then all of a sudden, Katie Couric got a podcast. Or I, I don't even know if it was her or Jane Pauley or one of those people. And I remember seeing uh, top of the podcast list. And I listened. And it was her talking on the phone to Benjamin Netanyahu. And I was like, so angry. I had, by the way, this is when I was doing it all myself. And I was editing it, mixing it. I was reading reviews. I was listening to people. When they say the audio was off, I'd make sure that I ran it through Levelator. I'd call other mm -hmm. people. Hey, what do you use to mix your, I was so, give, I so gave a fuck about it. <clears throat> and then I remember Katie Couric. And then I remember going to places and they're like, they're like, you know, uh, by the way, not, I'm not shitting on him, but they're like, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin starting a podcast. And I was like, yeah, I've had one for like three years. Like, I, I, like I've been busting my fucking ass on it. And they're like, well, his is going to be good. You should really get on his. You should check his out and do what he's doing. And I'm like, it would drive me fucking nuts. Not mm -hmm. shitting on Stone Cold Steve Austin, but, but yeah, I, I, I read your tweet the other day. I've, I've, I can't say despise because you're right. Don't talk shit. But those big companies that come in and just start 
placing that 70 stars yeah. or whatever into fucking podcasts it used to outrage me like outrage and, and you know what well, i mean when you look at intention it's like yeah I, I guess i mean there's a platform they want to do something sure yeah but like do do it mm -hmm. the, the the balls it takes to go uh, uh sit on a couch and be like what are you guys going to talk about i don't know we'll just like whatever some people can do that you mm -hmm. know like delia for whatever reason he sits in front of a computer for an hour and he has that thing but He's like developed that thing. You can't just sit down and then talk and not be a funny or interesting person and then just be like, I have a following. And then what really pisses me off is, yes, you can, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> and they'll, they'll kill it. Yeah. You know, they'll do great. And that's where it's obviously my own thing where I'm just a little like, oh man, I work so hard and it is what it is. And, you know, I never felt that way about stand up. My stand, I'm like, I've been doing stand up for 12 years. All of my peers have at least one special. You know, and I'm just like, you know, I have my puppet on stage and being fucking weird. I haven't like figured out a way to, to crack it yet, but I, I'm like, I will. I will. How, my you, how, how far into stand up were you when uh, Undateable kind of took over Montreal? Uh, I started doing uh, uh, Undateable. I booked Undateable and Montreal within a month of each other in 2012. <laughs> so I've been doing it for five years. Okay. Um, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm, I, I love my standup. I'm great. I, I really, I, for the, for maybe two years now, I could say that, but for the first 10 years I was weird and I, and, and people still remember me that way. And it's like, Oh, Rick's the guy that falls asleep on stage or blah, 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 blah. Right. Mm -hmm. And I have no resentment, no entitlement. It's, it'll happen. But for whatever reason, this podcast, I work so hard on it. And I, it's, I think my podcast is so great. And then I, I, I hate that we're I hate that we're recording right now because there's just some you know and they're great people they're great and, and they're great they're very funny. Oh, okay, and now I'm just cutting myself, but let me watch this. I'm watching six podcasts a week and I'm and I'm fuming. Just cut out cut out the the spikes. The, there's pause. Just cut it. Pay someone fifty dollars and mix it. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I saw that tweet last week and I was, I was very, uh, I, I connected with it. I connected with it, but you know, here's the thing is that in you saying that I even remember is that when I was blessed enough to know, to have a podcast when no one was listening to podcasts. So I got the opportunity to do a really shitty podcast for like four years and, and not know what it was. And then, <clears throat> I mean, I, I, I brought in, I would bring in people and then do no research or do very minimal research. I mean, I still do very minimal research only because I, I don't want it to be Mark Marin. I don't want it to be an right, interview. Right. I want it yeah. to be a conversation about that two people have. And cu I'm curious. I'm a curious person by nature, but I brought in a mixed martial artist one time thinking it was a different mixed martial artist. <laughs> and I did an entire interview with him asking him questions that he would just be like, I, I never been to Brazil. And I was like, oh, that's odd. <laughs> I, like, I wonder why he's being so humble. He's the jujitsu champion. The um, I uh, it, it's nice to not look up stuff because when I look up stuff, I feel the need to prove that I know something, and like you know, and I'm I'd be too scared to say, uh, like I'm I feel like I'm supposed to know that you have two sisters, but I don't know for sure. So, but I can't say do you how many siblings do you have because I should know that. And now I'm in my head and I'm worried, so I just go listen. I don't know anything. That's not what I mean. <laughs> you know, it's just like. But I, I, you have things to talk about. Like you're doing, 
you have a, a full band come out to the pool. Like that's not cheating the system. That's just using it. Oh yeah, but the cheat in the system is that I have disposable income to be able to spend twelve hundred dollars to get a band to come into my backyard for bullshit. And so if it doesn't work, it doesn't break my bank. Yeah. But at the same time, if it works, everyone's like, "God, that was brilliant." And you're like, "Not really. It was just. It was just. I just could afford That's it." Nice. But everyone, you could find you find assets. I have, here's my producer. I have them always next to me. <laughs> you know, you find ways. But uh, podcast culture has has made me feel, um, and I think I'm okay with it. But it's when I it's I have to check into myself. Has made me feel like high school ish in a way that like I'm scared. Like other people, I'm scared to ask to to do the podcast. You know, really, I I, I will. I I never. I've asked Rogan once, and I'll never ask him again. Like I would never. I would. I would. I'm always. I'm always shocked at the audacity of people asking Joe to do their podcast. Like when I hear people backstage at the store and they're like, Hey Joe, I got a podcast, man. I'd love to get on. And, and I just go, he's yeah, that's the another busiest level. man in the fucking world. Like, why would you ever, like I asked him one time a long time ago, probably six years ago. And he was like, he was like, yeah, or we could just do my podcast and millions of people could hear it. And I was like, let's just do that. He was like, yeah, for our time, it would be wiser to do my podcast and then talk about your podcast as opposed to just doing your podcast. So I was like, good call. And in my way, I heard that as, I heard that as, I don't want, like, I don't know what he meant by it and I don't want to read into it, but truthfully, I heard, I don't want to do your podcast. I don't want to do anyone's podcast, to be honest with you. Um, I wish you hadn't asked me, how about you just do mine? You know what I mean? I mean, mm -hmm. so I just was like, cool. I got the note, like in my head, but man, I see guys, I see guys asking that shit of Joe and I'm like, God, that blows me up my mind. I don't want to ask my friend. I, 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 I do. But when I was first starting, I was scared to ask friends. Really? Friends that have big podcasts. Yeah. Like who? Like who? Like uh, yeah. Let me, let me, yeah, I guess scared isn't the right word. Uh, the sense of insecurity. Oh, my insecurity can outweigh yours in a heartbeat. My insecurity yeah. is so fucking overwhelming. You got to realize I didn't get past the store until I was like 43, 44. Mm. And so that, that I, I am, I will always be that guy who's like afraid to go to the store. Like, it, you know, just like a simple thing of like, I, I'm afraid that whatever superficial things I may have in my career that built up, somebody just very easily go, but yeah, but you're not a paid regular, right? And I go, no, that's not, you know, and, yeah. and I had one bad experience where one guy wanted my ID and I didn't have it. And so he wouldn't let me in. And I was like, I guess I'm not doing a spot tonight. And I left. So yeah, dude, I'm fucking, I'm riddled with insecurities. <laughs> I, uh, I used to work at the store answering the phones and, and, I, and I went once and uh, it was a new security guard. So it is what it is. But when I walked in, first of all, I looked 55, but he asked to check my ID and it's like, I'm what? And, and uh, I was with a friend and the friend said, and I think he was joking. I don't know, but he, he gave a, do you know who I am type of energy? And I felt it was so like, uh so I just, whenever anyone, it's like, yeah, here you go, man. Here's the ID. Like I'm above getting my ID checked, but there is a little bit of a, I answered the phones here, man. Like I've been doing this for so long. I'm hysterical. Just let me in. And it's like, it is what it is. And then, cause I'm not passed at the store. Okay. I used to answer the phones there. I was uh, the old, do you remember Tommy when he was there? The old Ooh. booking manager. Were you yeah. there around then? No, no, no. He is the reason I was terrified of the store. He told me. I would, by the way, I had a television show. I had a couple television shows. I was a touring 
headliner. I had two comedy specials and he told me I had one comedy special. He told me I needed to work the parking lot if I wanted to get past the store. I was like, hold on. I'm a married father of two with Mm -hmm. two TV shows. I'm not going to take my off night and go park cars for guys that would feature. That's not going to happen. He was like, well, then you're never going to work at the store, buddy. And I was like, okay. So he he leaved and yeah. Well, uh, I was about to be passed there and then he left. And now uh, I'm just uh, too, too uh, weird, I guess, for it or whatever it is. And and uh, which is, you know, it is what it is. We all have our obstacles and places we can't do. But I'm in the I'm in the OR with my peers and there's 80 people in there. And I'm sitting in the back bucket seats. And when the door guys come over to me and say, I'm not allowed to sit in that chair. I was, I remember I was once I was sitting there and I was doing a spot in one of the other rooms and my parents were in town and there's nobody in the back bucket seats. And my dad is sitting next to me there and they make us get up. And I did because I remembered how I felt when my friend felt entitled to it. And it was like, that's, I mean, in a way they're doing, I mean, they're doing their job, you know, their job. It's just, I know, I know that feeling. Also, have you seen my podcast, bro? <laughs> you know, it's like, and so, and, and that, that, that thing, that insecurity I'm talking about is that feeling of like, I don't know the best way to handle those feelings. So if I, when I ask, and I asked Aliyah and he said, he'll do it. Right. And then I check in with him in two months and he's like, yeah, I will. And I want to just the way I, my instincts are just, Hey man, just come over, you know, and just yeah. keep doing that. But I don't know, understand my feelings of it. It just feels gross. And that thing I don't like. I don't like to be in that situation where I'm asking someone, they think they're doing me a favor and I think we're just playing. And that, when I was a kid, I've, told, I've talked about this before on my podcast, but when I was a kid, a few years ago, I got the way you got a talking to when you were 26 from your dad, I got that from an old boss of mine four years ago and it changed my life. It brought is that me into, Bill? Is that that guy, Bill? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Bill Lawrence. Great guy. Bob. Oh, he's a fat, by the way, keep going. I have a, so much I want to talk to you about because I really was obsessed with the six man, six lead. That's really nice. Thanks, man. Um, I just got a notification. Uh, I, I created a, a, the six lead Google alert, uh, four years ago, whenever, when I did it yeah. and once a month, I get an alert for it. And 100% of the time it's about some baseball player or some, you know, person stealing something or it's never about the show. And I got one last night and it was Zach Braff's top 10 IMDB uh, things that he's done. Oh, that's right. And yeah. It's all like legit cool things. And uh, my, uh, the six lead was number four. And I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah. Nice. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I forgot. I forgot he was in that. So, so Bill told me this thing, blah, blah, blah. Long story. Doesn't matter. But it started. No, this- it does matter. It does matter. It does matter. I'm dying to know. I, 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 I I talk about it so much and I, I, I just, haven't heard it though. And, and pretend no one's heard it. Let yes. me, by the way, that's, I got to give a shout out to Josh Wolf. Josh Wolf. One time I did his podcast and he goes, Hey, I know you've told a lot of these stories before, but pretend my people haven't heard it. Cause he, and I was like, really? And dude, I became friends with a, a couple people that are really interesting people that heard me on that. Like I'd never heard of you before. So, and that, so t- I'm off of that t- nod to Josh. Yeah. Wolf. So tell me everything. Cause I'm okay. a was a great show. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I, I will. It's, it's, it's also something that uh, for the, a while I wasn't talking about publicly and then I was and then I wasn't and I do. And I just feel weird about it um, because of the conversations it opens. But sure. So I'm in a, a, I'm in this basketball game with Bill. Right. And this ba- Bill saw me at the improv in 2011 or so. 
and uh, my whole set was doing a Will Will Smith impression. It was like a it was an eight minute set. So I did two minutes, and then I did five minutes of getting into character. You know, my back to the audience, the music changing, whatever. And then I turned around and I did the 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 monologue when uh, I you know uh, I learned how to drive without him. I learned how to shave without him. Fourteen birthdays. You know this. <clears throat> I know. The, I, I know. Yeah. Will Will gave me my first development deal. I know the. I know this. I didn't know that until. Yeah. I saw that on the. Um. I don't remember which. What's the name of it? But the 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 one that where uh you talk about that on one of your specials, uh. And I was like, he's the king. He Will Smith is is he's king. Fucking awesome. Um. And, and it was this weird set. And Bill came up to me and he's like, I like how comfortable you are in uncomfortable moments. And I remember thinking, what was the uncomfortable moment? <laughs> like I thought that was hysterical. I thought it was great. And also, like by the way. I, I do that monologue well, like I'm, I get there. It's like, good. I'm like, I'm like, look at, look what I could do, you know? But he started talking about basketball. I got in his basketball game, uh, eight months into his basketball game. He sent me an email. It was me and Brent Morin at the time. We were both in this game. And he said, do you want to, uh, uh, you know, who are your agents? I want to, would you like to audition for the show Undateable I'm doing? And at the time I didn't have any agents or anything. And he started, he that was my break into everything. And cut to a year later, Undateable comes out. Three years, it's on the air. And another year and a half, it's off the air. So I'm in this basketball game with this guy and these guys for five plus years. Some of them are writers on, on Undateable. I know them all. We're all buddies. And uh, I got an email from him saying, hey, man, uh, some of the guys, you know, it was, he did it very well and different than this, but it was basically some of the guys that have been in this game for like 20 some years don't like playing when you're there. Uh, and don't, some of them don't come when you're there. Um, now this is my game. I'm not going to kick you out. I do think it's good if you stay away for a few weeks. Uh, and here's the reasons. And he gave me a list. I'm just, you know, I grew up this playing basketball. Fucking awesome. When I, when I started playing basketball, it was, I was this nerdy, weird, magic, the gathering, annoying, had no friends, kid. And then all of a sudden I started playing basketball and then I got good at basketball and then I became confident and people, I had value or I felt I did in this specific way. Yeah. People, we got Glassman, like still, we got Glassman. I don't know if anything gets me harder than hearing that thing. You know, like you walk into a gym and like they know who I am and they want me to, they'll yeah. play with me. So I play to show people I'm the best, whether I'm, I am or not. I just go, no, now I'm in this game with 50 year old comedy writers and I'm stepping over them and I'm potting them up and I'm setting hard picks and um, you know, fucking gut, you know, and I'm yelling and, and they just want to get away from their kids for a little bit. And so he, you're just too much, Rick. And, uh, incidentally, I'm in a game, I'm in a poker game with, uh, 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 AJ happened to be in this game. There was this, this guy that we met through undateable and, and we became friends. And two days before that email, I got kicked out of a poker game because I'm too aggressive and I play, I, you know, I'm talking shit to people and being, and I'm, I, I am very aware of myself now. I'm being hysterical, but some people are just, you know, just play. You yeah. know, I was being, I was annoying. I'm annoying. So I get kicked out of a poker game. I get kicked out of a basketball game. Meanwhile, I think everybody wants me around and nobody does. So that was kind of this inciting incident to something else that I had been discovering, looking to look into and kind of a long story medium. I was diagnosed with ASD level one, which is, basically Asperger syndrome. And I found out that this thing that I, I'm already feeling insecure talking too much about this, but no, 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 no. This is, by the way, this dials so quickly into me. Keep going, keep going. Okay. Uh, so 
I found out I had autism. I was so excited because for, when I was a kid, I had, I had to go into uh, the learning disabled class and then I had to go to the special class and then I had to go to the special school and I had different medications and different diagnoses and all these things. And then I get this diagnosis and it's like, oh yeah, okay, perfect. I'm, I'm, I'm really good at memorizing numbers. Maybe I have like superpowers in another way, right? Yeah. So now I'm walking around like I got autism, you know, and I'm the best. <laughs> and then it started getting weird because people were like, no, you don't. Or this is what autism is. And, and yeah. then I found myself explaining to people what it was and being defensive and having to give examples of the way I was as a kid and what it means as an adult and all the different blah, 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 blah. And it started to like gross me out. And I stopped talking about it. So what that did for me is that made me feel that I can't talk about it on stage, which really made me like not present with things. And then I got in this big depression because my whole life I've been this funny, charming, people like me around guy. And then I found out, no, I'm not. And I was wrong. And this is what I was talking about before. I remember when I was a kid, I used to call my buddy David every week. Every week I would call him and ask him to play. And every week there would be a different excuse. Bro, sometimes I would ask when he blamed it on his mom, I would have my mom talk to his mom. <laughs> Looking back, I now know that he had to tell his mom to lie to my mom. I never took the hint. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I just thought, oh, he, uh, he has a stomachache again or whatever. So now I'm in my 30s and I'm going back in my life and realizing this filter that is off. How many times? Oh, fuck. I was so... That's so sad. That's what I'm saying. I don't want to keep asking people. I can't pick up on these cues necessarily. So I start calculating things and my instincts that are so good and so aware, I, I'm wrong. So now I'm calculating, am I being too much? I remember uh, uh, when I first realized this, I was talking to a friend and she was telling me a story and, and I just wasn't connecting. And I said, I'm, I'm sorry, what's, what's your point? And then, and then she told me her point and kind of concluded the story right away. And that was right when I was learning the stuff and I realized something changed. So I asked her and she's like, yeah, what's your point? It seemed like you weren't interested. And in my head, I'm thinking, I am interested. I just need to know the, the thesis of this so I could follow <laughs> along. So all these times I'm saying one thing and nobody, spe- nobody says anything. Nobody's like, dude, that was rude or I didn't like that or I don't like when you set a pick too hard or I don't want to have to cut to the hoop every time. They just go complain to Bill and now yeah. I have to figure out so now I'm learning tools of asking when people check their watch, does that mean that you're bored? And I'm, I'm, I'm heating up and I just, everything is the worst, you know? So then I spend a year trying to figure out how to beat the system, you know? Yeah. And then I realized I can't. Uh, before I knew nothing, I thought everybody loved me. Then I realized I was wrong and I try to make everybody love me. And what I, they both had in common was I can't control any of it. So then I just said, let's just do a podcast and edit the fuck out of it. So I make them hear it the way I want them to, you know? <laughs> um, but I, I don't remember what even brought this up, but that was that Bill no, said and changed my life. That makes me, that makes me really see. I could never do what Bill Lawrence did. Like I would just, I would just go, uh, no more basketball. I'd probably cancel the whole basketball game and be like, I don't like confrontation. Hey, I don't I I would actually if I was Bill Lawrence I would sincerely resent the other guys for disliking you. I would go why are you putting me in this situation where I got to reach out to someone who who I had a TV show with and the TV show's no longer there. Why why are you put I would be 
I don't like confrontation and I don't like when people put me in situations where they need me to confront things. Now, I also, um, I also rub people the wrong way a lot and I am oblivious to it. Um, I said to someone, how do you know you do? Oh, I've my whole life, my whole fucking life. People have said stuff to me like, uh, you, you cast a large wake. Like, uh, I just need some time away from you. You're mm-hmm. a lot to deal with. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I remember Billy Gardell one time said, um, he's, he was, we were, we used to do this thing called the Jameson comedy tour and we were all sitting around and they were, and we were performing in, uh, Irvine. And as everyone's talking about the weekend in Irvine, we're, we're, we're on the road in like Pittsburgh. The next week we're in Irvine. I hear that they're all driving to Irvine together. And I was like, Oh, are we, are we all driving? And they're like, I, th- I think it's Steve Burns. Like, I think it's just us. I was like, there were four of us on the tour. I go, the, the four of you guys are three, of you guys are driving down and I'm driving by myself. And they're like, yeah, well, yeah. Cause we're going to do dinner at Billy's house every night. And I was like, Oh, and then I How went to feel? Billy. I was, I felt, I felt, I even telling the story, I feel horrible. Mm-hmm. Like, I felt like I don't like not being included. It's like my biggest the reason I cannot drink this whole uh, this whole pandemic is because there's no FOMO. I don't feel like I'm missing something, so I don't care. Like no one is hanging out, so I don't like I have hardcore FOMO. So I went up to Billy Gardell and I was like, "Hey man, I'm just curious. Is everyone's going to your house? Did you like forget to invite me or something?" And he went, "I can't have you at my house." And I said, "Why?" And he goes, "You know, I, I got a kid, man." And I went, "I have two kids." And he was like, "Yeah, but my wife's not like your wife. Like I can't." have you come in and take your dick out and then everyone's like fucking your shirts off and you're cursing and you're drunk and i'm like billy i can also be like a regular person he goes i've never seen it i go but yeah but we're only on the road together and he was like you can behave and i was like i was so upset by that because i was like wait who do you think i am but i think people see me in one way and don't realize i'm also like a dad and i can go in and buy a house and i can like i can behave it hurt. I was, and then I ended up going to their house and, and I didn't even have a good time because I was so like, I, and, and manufacturing wrong, yourself. Yeah. And, and what's really wrong with me is like, I don't know what I do sometimes. So like perfect example is like, I remember I went like, I, I, I perfect examples. I went to, when I went to Billy's, I went to the bathroom and then I don't even know, like I just pissed. And then I'm like, did I piss on their toilet? Like, I don't know. And then they see that and they're like, God damn it, he pissed all over. Like I went to someone's house for a Christmas yeah. party one time and I shit in their toilet. <laughs> like, I don't know that, that you can't do that. Like you can't go to someone's house and take a shit there. I don't. Why can't you do that? Apparently you can't. And I went to this house. I no, just that's, been, that's on them. That's that's where it's tough. That's on them. Well, I broke their toilet. Like I, I they had to have a plumber come out because I took a shit. And and like it got around that like burnt shit in the toilet. And then I go to people's houses and they're like, hey man, back easy. Okay, watch what this guy eats. And then you're like, I don't like, I'm like a little bit of a bull in the China shop. So when you go like Bill sent that me that letter, I go, Oh, I bet there's so many people that wrote that letter. And then they were like, I- I'm just going to cancel the basketball game all the game altogether. I don't want Bert to be. Uh, so here's my thoughts on, on what you said for uh, also, I want to acknowledge what you said. And, and uh, my eyes got a little watery during that. I connect with that so much of wanting to be included and not knowing why you're not. And then what could I do to fix this? And, and uh, when you said you're afraid of confrontation or you don't want to have it, it's there's this like I feel like confrontation has bad PR and like confrontation doesn't mean fuck you, no fuck you. It just means it just means establishing and communicating boundaries. And 
a, a real good. Uh, um, my intention about this is not meaning to plug the podcast, but my podcast is called Take Your Shoes Off. And the reason it is, is because I have so many things. I have so many rules. And I, I've been living in a pandemic since I was four. There just wasn't a pandemic, you know? Like, yeah. I, I, I wash your hands when you come in and, and you can't wear outdoor clothes on my couch and I give friends shorts and it's obnoxious. And, wait, but wait, it is hold on, it is. hold on. You can't wear outdoor clothes on your... I don't do... Uh, I don't... If, if we... If, if we went to the uh, AMC, right? Also, I love AMC. I don't mean because that's a bad theater. That's just one I go to. So I'm so sorry, AMC. <laughs> but, you know, it's gross. The chairs are everyone's just gross. And we're going to come over and we're going to sit on my couch where I'm sitting on my shorts that then go into my bed. No, you're out of your mind. So just there's so many rules to either where I have to have people come <laughs> over and I have to explain these rules to them. And that's when I this is when I've all learned about why I'm so annoying. I have so many things that I need to be a certain way that if I say, wash your hands, don't do that, touch this, don't make sure the label's the right way, I'm an asshole. So I hide it by going, oh, I have a puppet, wash your hands. You know, and it's like, I, I have to do jokes. <laughs> I'm bothered by them. Yeah. But yeah. like, I need to survive, you know? So I would, for the longest time, just not have people come over or, you know, like, you say you think people don't want to shit in your like if when people come over and pee and I'll always let them shit, piss, poop, everything. But I have to wash my bathroom now, you know, <laughs> so I have all these things. Take your shoes off is the most digestible. It's a good listen. Hey, take your shoes off. Oh, you're one of these houses. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. All right. So hear, hear me out. This this and this is a lot of the coffee talking and I'm having fun. I've been wanting to do a podcast with you for a little bit. So like <laughs> I'm in, but this is it. This is the thing that changed. Uh, so before I got the diagnosis, uh, I was going to get this diagnosis. I remember I did Love Line with Dr. Drew two or three years before this, and I talked to him beforehand. And he's, he got me the information in these people at UCLA. It's five grand. I'm like, who, I'm not doing this. Yeah. But then I, I, I'm, I'm, I get kicked out of a poker game and a basketball game, and everyone hates me, and I'm the best basketball player, and I'm confused. So I'm looking up what autism means. And I see these things of adult diagnoses. And if you're what is, you know, what, what people say, normal, typical, you don't need this. Everything's fine. I'm a comedian. It's fine. What benefit does it mean to be diagnosed? And I didn't even realize this was an issue when I started, I guess, crying. It wasn't like noises, but those down the face, you know? Yeah. And I connected with, it's not just about how you could communicate with other people. It's about helping them communicate better with you. And then that planted the seed and I've gotten, I've learned so many tools. And so check this out right now. If I have a booger or something in my teeth, would you tell me? Nope. You wouldn't even tell me that. I wouldn't. I know. I, and I, if your breath smelled, your flies down, I, 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 I actually, it's so funny you say that my buddy Obi is uh, one of my best friends my whole life. I don't see him as much. He's the kind of guy that would say to you, Hey, your breath smells. And but you say that to protect you and go, you should do something about that. We're going to be around girls. Your breast smells. And it would shut me down. And I couldn't. And I'd be like, why would you tell me that? Are you still that way? Yep. Yeah, you get, that's. I, I don't know. How would you rather it. have bad breath? Yeah. You'd rather have bad breath or you'd rather have good breath, but not know that you had bad breath. I'd rather. I don't know. I See, guess man, I'd, rather, I'd rather people will talk behind my back and me not know about it. But that's that's then you're not then you're not invited to houses. <laughs> I don't know. Then you then then, then I don't you know have, the answer. Here's what it is. 
Stop. I stop thinking that you having a booger means people don't want to be around you. People don't want to be around you because you have a booger and you're like, oh, look at this. And you know what I mean? Like, just take the booger out of your fucking nose. You have a booger right there. It always fucks me up. I'm like, why would you tell me? Oh, well, then then everything else I was going to tell you that the coffee and my high got me going. Keep going. Keep going. You're fucked. I, I find that fascinating because it is a weird I remember hearing a comic do that going, you ever been around someone that's got such bad breath, you got to tell them. And I remember being at the laugh factory and going, no, why would you ever do that? Like, why would you just deal with it? Deal with their bad breath. I dated someone with bad breath. I never brought it up. I started, I was dating a girl and she were, were, uh, if two weeks into this relationship and it was kind of fast. So I guess it was a relationship. If we're two weeks in, we're in bed, making out. And her perfume was, in the most political way I could say this, just too much, right? And I'm kissing her and all of these thoughts happen in a second because I've done these calculations so many times, I I weigh it out. And here's what it was. This smell is too sensitive for me. I can't deal with it. So here are my options. Um, Be kissing her and not enjoy it, not be present and eventually uh, develop a resentment or tell her that this has to stop and this has to stop now. The first, I didn't want to, I didn't want to stop seeing her. So I didn't have a choice anymore. So, and then I was thinking, what would my, th- I was thinking if I were to ask a therapist and blah, blah, blah. And ultimately it was just like, Rick, just communicate as directly as possible. And here's what it was. Hey, um, I think that you're, uh, you know, I think that you're beautiful and, the, uh, and your perfume, it is a really good scent. I'm hypersensitive to s- sounds and smells. And I hate to say this, it's just a little too much. You, not gonna, you, you can't do it. We can't do it if we're going to kiss and stuff. She goes, oh, okay. And here's the trick. And here's what I wanted to tell you. And maybe this will work, although I think it won't anymore. Yeah. What I learned from realizing teaching others to communicate with me was this. When I said to, the, to my friend, what's your point? She thought I was being aggressive. It took her out of it, like you having bad breath. And she wasn't there anymore because she identified it with her. her. Yeah. Find a way to let them know it's not their problem, right? So, so when I when I say to her, I'm sensitive to smells, it's not that you smell bad. It's that I have a bad sense of smell, right? Yeah. Uh, so I, I'll tell people, I tell girls when I was, I mean, I'm in a relationship now and and I think this is the one and, and I say that because I'm scared, like, I'm sorry, sorry, Betty, I know you're going to watch this. And But before you, when I was very young uh, and I would date every girl in the world <laughs> and on first dates, uh, I would say to them, uh, sometimes I, I could be a lot uh, and I would get high. We'd get high a lot. That was kind of you get high and you walk around and you joke and shit. So I would say, do me a favor. Sometimes I lack a little awareness. Give me the benefit of the doubt one time. If I'm being a little much, I got no ego with this. Just say, Rick, you're too loud. Rick, you're too much. Stop. This is embarrassing. I'm sc- whatever you're feeling. Just tell me and give me and 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 if I do it a second time, then walk away. But just like you need to let me know. Yeah. And. And I've told that to my friends and my family. And now people will just say, hey, like my girlfriend just goes like this. Shh. That doesn't mean she doesn't want to hear what I'm saying. She doesn't mean that I'm, I'm, I'm an, uh, my soul is a bad, annoying soul. It just means the level is too high. Yeah. And, the, and it, doesn't, it doesn't change the energy anymore. It's just rich. And I go, yeah. Oh, okay. So, and now, and blah, 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 blah. And there's no ego attached to it. So if you could, I, I don't know, for me, I would say to you, Bert, for the rest of our relationship, I, I, have, I have no ego with it. Just tell me. Tell me my breath smells. Tell me I'm being annoying. Tell me the shirt doesn't look good. Tell me I was, you know, promoting something where it was, it was tacky. Like, 
I mean, if I were to take off my shirt and say, check out, take your shoes off podcast and people are like, oh, that's unattractive. Then, you know, you would have to let me know. See, see, I'm, 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 uh, I think, I think I'm so oblivious to how people are perceiving me sometimes. And I think that is, I think that's how I protect myself. Maybe. I don't know. Like I, and so like, so I'll tell you, say your breath was horrific and me and you were about to see these two girls. And, and uh, how like, are their, how are their, like, do they have big, big racks, really hot, blonde hair, perfect, really perfect. Both of them are blonde? But one's blonde, one's like dirty blonde. By the way, one, I, I have such a fucking, I was about to start describing this girl that I saw on Instagram last night that was so beautiful, but had the weirdest thing going on in her face. And I was afraid that if I said it, she'd find it. And then my, cause I sent a video of something she does to my daughter. And I was like, Hey, this is the thing you were interested in. This is how you do that to a shirt. And then my daughter was like, Oh, thanks dad. And then I was like, Oh, I wonder if my daughter will ever be like, Oh, dad thought she was hot as shit. And then it also happens that she, it was a fucking long. Well, you time. already gave it away. I mean, now yeah. she knows it's the thing. you. My sent daughter to. doesn't watch podcasts. So anyway, so say you have bad breath, right? Sure. I immediately would say like, say it's horrific. I go, bro, I don't know what we ate, but we need gum immediately. And you'd be like, really? I go, dude, both of our breasts. Yeah, that's mine. Like that, but that's how I operate. I could never in a million years go, hey man, I love you, but you have bad breath. You need to brush your, you need to go do, I, w- I just couldn't, I just couldn't, I it would kill me. So I, one time we were in South Africa doing stand up, and I came up with this, do you know a, com- a comedian named Tom? Uh, do you? Is, no, <laughs> Tom Wilson, I think is his name. I fuck is that, that's no, not the guy, not, that's not Biff from Back to the Future, is no. it? I'm fucking his name up, and I—he's a friend of mine. Tom, Tom Clark. Do you know a comic named Tom Clark? I know, I know of, of him. Yeah. Okay. <coughs> I wish I hadn't said his name. Now I feel bad, but bleep it. So, yeah, we'll bleep it. So, um, but don't bleep the first one, so everyone knows that it what it starts with. So. Yeah, I don't know it's a Tom, but we won't know which one. So I came up with this game because I was hungover, and sometimes when I get hungover, my my blood sugar's off, and if I have coffee, I get very very creative. And I came up with this game with all the comics. There were like 10 of us where I said, we're doing tours this day. It's boring. None of us want to really do it. We're hungover. I said, let's see how close we can get to killing Tom today. Like, let's see who can get the closest to killing him. But don't kill him. But let's see who can get the closest. I don't understand. You mean like hurt him? No, no, no. Just get close to killing him. So like, say, say we're on the edge of a cliff. Everyone's like, wow, look at that. That's beautiful. Tom, come here. Take a look at this. And he'd go, I want to see. And he'd lean over. And then we go, hey, everyone. Ooh, like you could push him, oh, but we I didn't push him, but we just wanted to see who could get the closest to killing him. Okay. It was a really fun game. I mean, we had so much fun. Do you know how much so easier it is to tell someone you have bad breath than almost kill a friend? By the way, I love Tom. I really do love Tom. I, I get a kick out of him. And, but, and I thought I didn't, I didn't think anything of it. And this is where I cast a large wake and I don't realize I'm doing these things. I really think I'm having a good time. And, um, Midway through the day, he finds out we've been trying to kill him all day and he gets very upset and he gets really upset and he doesn't want to speak to me. And I'm like, it was a joke. And he was like, it's not a joke. You were trying to kill me. I said, well, no one was really trying to kill you. He was like, yeah, but the joke was about me. And I went, well, yeah. And he goes, why wouldn't like you should have let me in on it? And I said, well, no, that that's not how a joke works. Mm-hmm. And I, I got very stuck in the fact that it was a joke and I'm a comedian and you're a comedian and you have to figure out a way to get past this. And he said, I don't. I can just now not like you because you tried to kill me all day. And you had 13 other people trying to kill me. 
So the whole day I was like, you guys were like mock raping me. And I was like, no, not really. But it was so funny to us that I was like, but you can't understand. And then everyone got really upset with me. And they're like, yeah, why would you think about killing someone? And I was like, guys, we're comedians. It's a joke. And I couldn't, I, I, like, I couldn't get past it. I couldn't get past it. And then I end up digging my heels in and going, right. no, no, like, fuck you guys. This was funny. Like this one guy, Andre Vincent took a rope and, and twisted it and almost got it over his head. And everyone's like, what the fuck? And he's like, eh. I mean, it was so much fun. And this guy was really upset and it really hurt his feelings. I had a hard time connecting with it. Cause I was like, Bill comics. You still have a hard time connecting with that? Not now. Not now. Not now. Now I just go, now I just go, I should have never done it. You know, like, yeah, I don't know. I think what, if, I, what if you, what if you tripped when you were pretending to push and you pushed him off a cliff? Yeah. I didn't think about that. What if, what if he puts the thing around his neck and, 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 and runs, <laughs> what is this? You know, like, I mean, that, that would be like me punching you and then you getting mad and then me saying, I'm joking. And you're like, I mean, you punched me. <laughs> yeah. It happened. I had, a, I, had a, I had a comedian friend of mine slap me and go, oh, it's a joke. And it was, wasn't a joke. I didn't find it funny. But then I just forgave him. I was like, whatever. I, was, I just have, a, I just, yeah, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a mess when it comes to this shit. That's like, like that, that's like this, there are people, that's like, um, there's some people that think it's funny and follow these accounts of people getting hurt, like pr or practical jokes. And I, some people, I, I think, I, some people don't like practical jokes. I don't like, like practical it's jokes. at their expense. Yeah. I don't yeah. like practical jokes. I don't, hold on, let me rephrase that. I like a good practical joke, meaning like a joke that pays off and it, like, and it's, and it's funny, but I like those, but I, I get very uncomfortable. Punked always made me uncomfortable to mm. watch. Like, I don't enjoy it. I just get uncomfortable. Um, I, uh, I was watching your, um, your, uh, something's burning. Um, mm -hmm. and I'd seen a few of them, but last night, because we were doing this, I watched a few more. That show's awesome. Oh, thank you. Uh, you shine in that show as a, as a failure. Like, I mean, like the comedy bits of like you, I mean, by, by design, that's the title of it. Do you feel that you connect to that? Like you could tap into that because. And that's a moment where you're supposed to be failing. Your, your breath's supposed to be bad. You're supposed to accidentally kill somebody. So there's no filter. There's no trying to understand. And people understand. My take on that is we, by design, by title, understand you because this is what's supposed. If somebody is supposed to be trying to kill somebody, then that was great. Yeah. You connect with, uh, like, you take your shirt off and you do these things that, it's it's not self-deprecating. It's a specific type of thing, which is, it's a brand. It's it's a intentional failure, which mm -hmm. I connect with a lot with stand-up. Yeah. You shine in those moments. Is that something to lean into? Is that something that you're conscious of that you want to lean into, or did you find that by accident? When I was when I was, um, I, I think I, I I I think this is might get to the answer. When I was in college. I, I was very competitive in sports all through high school. Uh, I was very, 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 very competitive. And I went to an all-boys Catholic high school. So it was like, I couldn't, you couldn't, PE was fucking violent. Like, it was just very competitive. And um, when I went to college, there was an intramural football team. And, and I found a lot of non-athletes that I respected playing in intramural football. 
and they were very competitive. And I found that weak. I found that to be a weakness that, that they were not good athletes yet. They saw themselves as competitive and they held themselves to a standard that really was a false standard. There was a, a false ceiling of, of what they thought they could achieve. And so I, by default, stopped trying. I stopped trying and started being funny. And I think that became my personality. Mm. And I remember playing uh, intramural softball. And my buddy Jeff Hartley said, why do you not give a fuck? And I said, well, it's easier to not give a fuck than be like these guys who do give a fuck, but they're not athletes. That's a really sad place to live in. Yeah, it is. And he was like, that's interesting. And Jeff Hartley was an am- always his entire life. Everything he ever did, an amazing athlete. And I said, yeah, I don't know. In a weird way, it was like being, it was like being uh, Bill Murray playing golf. You know, you, you were just joking around. And if you were good, you always shocked everyone. And so. Oh, I thought you were saying it's sad. To, so, so you were, we, you didn't, you didn't uh, have expectation of yourself or you weren't, you actually weren't trying. I would not try. And then when I did try and I succeeded or I did something that someone didn't expect and I put forth a tad bit of effort, they'd be like, what the fuck? When did Bert learn how to swing a bat? And then someone would go, oh, he got recruited to play at like a few different colleges. And they're like, wait, what? He's been fucking around out there. Like you, he caught a, a ball behind his back joking. Oh, he can really play. And you're like, oh yeah, he actually is an athlete. And so yeah. I think trying that to cheat the system. Yeah. yeah. I didn't want, I didn't want to, I didn't want people to see me out there trying because I, I thought there was a sadness in trying, you know, do you still feel that way? Yeah, I, I, I definitely do. Like I look at comics, I look at comics who, um, I am so fucking obsessed with stand up. It's unreal. Like if I, if, if, if we pivoted and we just talked about the way I look at an hour special and the standards I hold for an hour special and the way I, see it structured in the, in the way I see comedy and the, and how someone should work towards and what, what people should work towards. You would, you would almost think not only was I obnoxious and an elitist, but you'd go, fuck dude, care less. I think you're, but I don't share that with people. I just want them to think I take my shirt off and I tell the same story every night. I just want them to think that because then when it is good, people go, Oh wow. Actually Bert, like, one of my best compliments I ever got was David Letterman saying, I watched this guy. He took it off. And I was like, what the fuck? And then like 30 minutes later, I was like, I don't even, I don't even care that his shirt's off. He's a really good stand-up. And I went, that's everything I want. I don't want you to think that like I'm trying. Cause I think, do you ever see those guys that are like so obsessed with their act and they're just not that good? And you yeah, just but you're mistaken, you're mistaking trying with lack of self-awareness. Like but 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 remember remember I'm somewhat tethered to a lack of self awareness like I'm somewhat tethered to the fact that I don't know how people are reading me that makes so sense I think sometimes I just was like it was safer for me to be I love the term and I it's interesting that you were in the uh, the you played Harold Ramis but like I love the term Cinderella story it's my mm-hmm. favorite thing in the world I love it more than anything what does that have to do with Harold Ramis. It was uh, Cinderella story came out of Caddyshack. That's Bill Murray. Cinderella story comes. Oh, from really? Out of nowhere. I didn't know that. Yeah, comes around to nowhere. Every line in that movie is fucking genius that Bill Murray delivers. He says, "On your deathbed, you will get complete and total awareness," which is like the last thing you'd ever want on your fucking deathbed. Complete and total awareness, like of, of conscious, like that's a, you just want to go peacefully as opposed to oh fuck I'm dying. Like, but Cinderella story is like something I've 
I have hooked onto because I just go, you ever see the guy in the audition room who's taking it too serious? And you're like, that's not who's going to book it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know if this makes for good conversation, like to debate something like this, but I, I so connect with what you're saying, especially when you see people doing it and knowing like me, like, is that what I'm doing? I don't want to be like what I'm seeing them do, but people that, that, that take it too seriously. I try. I, let me start over. I am, I am so attracted to people who try. It's the people yeah. that, that, that are trying and not necessarily being the best, but think they're so great. I mean, going and watching somebody audition and they're taking it too seriously, that's just them not being aware of the situation. Yeah. But like, you should still try, learn your lines. Oh yeah, 100%. It, find your jokes. But yeah, but, 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 but then go in and say to the casting director, do you want this on book or off book? And then they go, well, off book. Go, okay. And then put it down and already be off book, already be off book. Like that's the way my brain goes is come in and be like, do you, do you like, be off book, but have them in your hand. Like that, that's the way you're a little I'm, cheat. That's a little cheat to, to, to yes. be the underdog, to be the Cinderella. Yeah. That yeah. makes sense. I, I get that. I, I, um, because I am a lot and I go in for auditions that are often like, you know, look at my dick or whatever it is. I like to, uh, <laughs> make them think that I am this introverted person and I will go in and I don't make eye contact and I'm just like real low energy. So then when we start, it looks like I turned something on as opposed to I'm just an annoying guy. But the truth is I I'm my legs shaking because I just want to go, you know, just be hyper <laughs> as fuck. So I, I definitely get that. But I still like put in so much work before it. But I couldn't figure out how the sixth lead. I couldn't I couldn't piece together the things. You don't seem like a guy who would go in and go, hey, guys, I have an idea about something I want to do while we're shooting this show. And it didn't seem like something that the people on the show would have greenlit. It didn't, it seems like yeah. not that, not that, not that it was a while ago, but, but when undateable was being made, it wasn't social media. Isn't what it is today. So yeah. something like the sixth lead wouldn't be used. You, I could see NBC going, that's not a promotional tool. And yeah. Uh, I'd love to tell you, it's, I'm really, I'm really proud of the execution of how, how it happened. It's um, so good, man. It's thanks, like man. legit, like, like I got to be honest with you. There's two things that I've been a little obsessed with where I find the thing and then I become obsessed with the guy. Uh, and, and it was one of them is uh, a uh, an actor, improv actor named Ben Schwartz. Yeah, we'll He's, bleep uh, his name. Yeah. It's, it's, and then and fucking you on the sixth lead. I, I got to be honest with you. I couldn't get enough of you online. Like I wanted more of the sixth lead. It was so fascinating and it played in it made me think about things like why did i find it so funny why did i find the racial humor in it so funny like why did i find that funny like it it, it made me laugh so hard you have an you, answer i don't know i was in the shower thinking about it today and i thought i th i think because i i think because i empathize very quick people are never going to believe this i empath empathize very quickly with people and i find that um i find that one of the one of the, the tone deaf things in white culture is what it's like to be a person of color in this world, and I feel like I very quickly identify. I don't know why with with what it's like to be a person of color, and I I, I connect on that. And and it so when like when Richard Pryor would say a black guy walks in and goes, "Damn, I wish you would," like uh, like sitting in my seat or maybe I, know, yeah. I, I 
I think some white people go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ignore that. Don't. Okay. Whatever. Whatever. That's not me. I go, oh, that's me. I do that. Like I connect with that joke differently than I think most white people do. It's. And so you connect, you connect with it from an empathetic standpoint, or you connect with it like, like, like you connect with it. You could see that being you, or you connect with it. You could see it. You being who they're talking about. And that being I'm, funny. I can see me being who they're talking about and me being that person. Like I can see all of it. Like, so I, for whatever reason, I've always been really fascinated by the dynamic of culture and race. Me it's too. always been very fascinating to me. Just the littlest things that the way someone who is raised a certain way right now, I'm obsessed with uh, Chicano culture because I just watched this documentary on Mr. Car- Mr. Cartoon and, uh, and Steve-O. Did you see that? It was on Netflix. It's all about uh, LA car culture and tattoos and really fascinating, but like just the idea that Chicano is different than Latino and, you know, like just the little eccentricities that is, that are very much stamped in their culture that white people glaze by. I love, I love that things. But I was fat. It was the hardest I laughed was when you thought the black guy was a different black guy. I was, I laughed so fucking hard. What, what I love about it is, is not the same as you of uh, the nuance of it. What I love about it is, is the, 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 the math of, of why, why the thing itself that exists. I'm not talking about racist or homophobia. I'm talking about the things that black people are different than white people. Women are different than men. They, they are. Yeah. But we have to say, you know, no, they're not. And the, and, and the math and the, the puzzles of being able to acknowledge the thing that exists without people thinking, projecting my point of view on it. So just showing the thing and letting it yeah. be. And, you know, Jewish people could talk about Jewish people. Well, Jewish people could be anti-Semitic, but there's this, they're allowed to. So finding cheats and hacks and ways to be able to like, we all know that this thing, you know, for better or worse, and that when I watch, I love watching black people, black comedians talk about culture because it's just they're free and it's yeah. the funnest stuff. And I'm not saying I should be allowed to. It's just I'm not. So like finding, well, but I, I mean, I know these things are funny. Why can't I talk about certain things? Anyway, that doesn't matter. No, 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 uh, it does. It does. I do understand because I spent the first probably 12 years of my career uh, trying to crack that code of I wanted to talk about that stuff. And it wasn't until I, in a really sad way, just went, that's never going to pay my bills. Like, I'm never going to be that guy that I just gave up on it and went, what, what, what am I interested in also is me. Let's just tell stories about me. Let's sell the brand as opposed to like, there are so many things that I just found. I've, I always found like I, I, there's a very small story, but one time I remember um, being on Venice, pulling onto La Cienega, uh, not La Cienega, La Brea and um, a car, like a low rider pulled up next to me and uh, a bass was booming. It was the middle of the night, like probably like midnight, one in the morning. And I noticed in my stuff, I was a comic at the time, that I didn't want to look over. Like I did, I, I was very curious to see what the, if it was a candy coat paint job, if he had what, what he was riding on, was he riding on date? Like, I, like all the things that I'm obsessed with hip hop, I wanted to look over, but I didn't want to look over. And then part of me was like, and this conversation I, fascinated me to have with myself. And then when I did look over, I looked over and it was a black guy eating a candied apple. He was eating a candied apple and it made me laugh I so hard. I could have told you that. Because it was like just the, 
like the last thing you'd expect him to be is just very joyously eating a candied apple. And I laughed so hard and he looked at me like, like, oh, but it was so funny. He goes like in his eyes, like, oh, I can't eat a candied apple also. Like it was, but like something like that fascinated me to the point where I have never forgot it. Like I've never forgotten it. The uh, not wanting to look out of fear of what the other person thinks of the reason you're looking for is so exhausting. Yeah. I know. I connected that so much. When I, when I first found out, that's what I used to do. I used to calculate how do people think my intentions are and how do I communicate them before they fill in the blank? And then I'm talking too much, you know, and, and, I'm, and it's just like, it, it, I, dude, I was in, I, when I found, when I got that diagnosis, I was Superman for like five months. And then for a year, I was in the biggest depression of, there's no winning. I'm, I'm, I either communicate it poorly, I, I over communicate, I didn't communicate it. I just want to fucking, you know, let me, let me just live, man. Yeah. You know, and uh, my podcast has saved me in a way because I've been able to have conversations that are longer than 10 minutes with people to where I, it, it made me understand not on a philosophical level, but like through experience that everyone wants to be understood. Nobody is understood and everybody has their narrative that they're forcing on people. And there's no way, even me doing this now, I'm becoming self-conscious of, am I trying to put this out to people that I know this about myself, even if I can't control it? And it's just, <laughs> and I get exhausted with myself. So I can only imagine what everybody else is thinking. I get exhausted with myself. Go back to the sixth man. How did that, how did you end up making that? Oh, all right. So, so the sixth lead, I'll do this sixth lead on Undateable. And on that show, I booked it and most of us uh, haven't done anything before. And Brent was, a, was one of my best friends, still is, but like during it, we're in the same level. We're going through and now it's him and Dalia are doing all these jokes. And I, not only do I only have two at bats per show, I'm heavily judging this character. The things that I satirize and make fun of about pop culture and network television, I am now making a lot of money halving, needing to do that. And I, I, my ego got in the way a lot because I was being so judgmental and all I was like, yeah, well, you know, how big's your rack? But like in my head, there was no level of irony and I'm just this corny one dimension. I just hated it. Right. But at the same time, my name's on a parking spot at Warner brothers and there's the Animaniacs water tower and my dreams are coming. I got, you know, that's like, how do you make it in showbiz? Move to LA. You'll get discovered at the Hollywood improv. Like that doesn't happen. And that did. And I, here I am hating it. And this was pre-diagnosis, pre-awareness. And in the first year, I had a really difficult time. And the second year is when things started to change for me. And I started to kind of become more understanding of, oh, you know, like Dennis Rodman's supposed to get rebounds. Like just because I could shoot doesn't mean my job. I didn't understand that I have a job. This isn't, this is my dream. No, I have a job. And my job is to come in there and be the annoying guy to let other people have their jokes. I didn't get that. And then I started to get it. And then I would see my friends doing it. And I became a little aware of it. And with that awareness, it, it offered me a perspective of where I was able to see myself and how pathetic this point of view that I had was. And I had a meeting with Bill in real life. Bill, you've had 50 shows with 350 actors. I'm sure you've had this conversation with a lot of people. And I know nothing's going to change. But I have these control issues. And I need to feel like I did everything I can. So I just want to let you know this isn't, this doesn't work. Here's why I don't have a good, uh, my, my skill set doesn't allow me to do this thing. Not yet. I wish it could. I can't. Here's where I shine. I'm better in the paint, you know, or whatever it may be. Yeah. 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 Rick, I'm so glad you told me. Thank you so much. 
There's nothing we could do about this. And I go, I understand. This is my job. I just wanted to like, I didn't want to have resentment that I didn't speak my mind. Also, thank you so much for paying my rent and giving me this opportunity and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, and I pitched him a couple of things that ended up making him the show, right? So I was like, cool. That meeting was so funny to me because like, here's this guy that's worth $100 million. And then here's me who isn't allowed to sit in the bucket seats at the comedy store. And I'm like, Bill, here's how you should be doing it, right? So I, I pitched to him. I wanted to do a little video of a meeting. And I mean, that was a, a whole back and forth because at the time we were about to go live. So they wanted people to do social media content. And here was my pitch. And, but then I started having demands. I need another camera. Could we do it this way? And blah, blah, blah. And I, I basically said, Bill, I'm going to do all these jokes. I'm going to do it all this way. We've been three years together. I'm asking for one thing. Give me a second camera. I will pay for it. He ended up not making me pay for it, but he ended up giving me a second camera. And then we taped the table read, the actual network table read where all of NBC's in there. And I needed this B-roll. So I recorded that in, in, in character. So I am at risking having the NBC people see me be this person, but I needed the tape of it. It, it looks cool because it is like a real thing. It's a real documentary yeah. of that part. And then um, I, from that, I wrote the beats down of the jokes I wanted to do. And we did this meeting with Bill. And uh, I mean, I, there's fun things I want to talk about, but it's, we're going too long on it. But, but basically, I overheard Bill before the, the, us filming. Bill's in the writer's room with everybody. And I heard him talking to the writer's room. And he didn't know I was in there setting up with the cameras. And he was telling me about jokes of mine that they're cutting because it didn't, I didn't do it right. And so and so did it better in Scrubs. That you know they use jokes sometimes when it's just like a, a small character they reuse them. Bill didn't know I heard it, so we're doing our meeting and doing the jokes, and and then I end up saying that thing to Bill, and he got hot and red, and then that started a real conversation, and with it, then we started hitting the beats, and Bill performed it great because it was all very real. Yeah, and it came together great, and that was a very cool. Something that I realized, and I've used it since, and I mean, what am I doing? Podcasts and sketches and whatever, but like my, I want to be a director. And something I learned was, was um, people's ability to perform is not just their raw potential. It's them being comfortable uh, or them being present, not comfortable, having them be there. So there are cheats of getting people involved and starting things before they start. And it ended up coming together really well. And Bill liked it. And he said, do you want to do more? Uh, he said, I, I could give you enough money for two days. So we did two days more. And I, I turned that into four episodes. We filmed four episodes in two days. And bro, at that point, I, I, was, I made sketches and I was, you know, put things on tripods and I would have to stand in for myself and check the monitor. Now, all of a sudden, I'm on the Warner Brothers lot. They shut down, uh, they shut down one of the streets and One Direction was doing a sound check. And I was, and I'm, looking back, it was so cool. But in the moment, I'm like, we can't have that. We, we have 45 minutes. I need to get this thing. And they shut down one direction. And afterwards, I'm like, I just shut down. This is the best. They, they, I got extras and, 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 and they, they did set decorations and they, they put up the coffee shop sign and we're doing basketball. And, and uh, they, they, uh, I got to film a fake scene. What we did on Dateable Live in between the East and the West Coast. All the cameras are up and the audience is full. I got to film a fake scene with the cameras, I'm directing these four, you know, pet cameras and Dalia and Brent and Ron and Bianca and Chris and, and, and everybody I'm directing a scene. And it was, it was like, it was the coolest thing. And it came together so well. And that made me like, I, 
I had um, craft services. I had you know security guards. Like this was the dream, and Bill let me do it because he liked the meeting episode, and that really like went from here's something I'd like to do to I need to find a way to do this thing now. That's really fascinating. It's such. It was so, it was so well done. It was Thanks, so man. well done, and I and I I. I just kind of clicked on it, and then all of a sudden, I watched all of them going, "God damn it!" I I would argue this was more. It was more connected with me more than Undateable did, and I loved Undateable. I I, uh, I think I took a meeting. I want to say I took a meeting with the guy that created Undateable, Adam Ezekiel. Yeah, maybe. Good looking guy. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I did take like, a meeting. Too with good the guy. looking. Yeah, I took a guy with, meeting with the guy, and he sent me the script, and I read the script. But I think before before it was off the air, and I read it, and I went, "God damn it, this is a good script." And I was like, "Oh Thanks, fuck, man. this this makes a lot of sense." And then it ended up watching Undateable, but then I watched Sixth Lead, and I was like, "This is more what I'm into." The subtlety, the it's it's got a little bit of like the reasons that Ricky Gervais made me laugh were the same reasons that I laughed. Oh, in that. that's awesome. There's something yeah. so, uh, I guess the corny way of saying it is rewarding but efficient about having these having these these egotistical negative insecure feelings that exist being able to acknowledge them and then being able to turn that into some a product and the thing that I didn't like like what you do with not being able to cook well or burning stuff or whatever it is and that and now it's supposed to be that way like if i go into a if i go into a a, a you know an event or whatever and it's like rick's too much rick's annoying oh that sucks i'm i suck but if you title that guy comes into event and lacks awareness, wow, Rick killed that. He did that so well. <laughs> yeah, so to be setting able, yourself up to succeed. Yeah, and and that made me also realize titling something either literally or metaphorically, like when you title it the sixth lead, you know it's about a guy who's so far away from first. It's just titling something. You on your billboards having the shirt off, people know what it is, yeah. and then I don't have to. I don't have to have that. How you doing? Oh, good. Thanks. How are you? And like, kind of find it. And um, yeah, I, I just, I, 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 I loved it. And that thing that was the sixth lead, I don't want to talk too much about this because it's something I'm working on, but I'm finding myself in that position in podcasts, but now with self-awareness of just like the levels and the, and the, and the bureaucracy and the fraternity and the, and the superficialness and how dark it is and how cool it is and all these things. I want to do a, a pod. I, I don't want to talk about, I already did, I guess, but like, I'm working on this thing where it's just like, there's something so dark, but something that everybody can empathize with wanting more. It's both an underdog story and somebody being selfish. Yeah. And that's just a really fun place to live, you know? Yeah, you know, Bill Burr was talking about that the other day. By the way, I'm like so hyper aware of how I, I'm like so aware that I've, I've talk, I talk a lot lately because I'm doing a lot of podcasts and I'm so hyper aware of my personality over this. I'm not in therapy right now. I should be in therapy, but I'm picking up on what's wrong with me very acutely, like, because I'll notice my, I'll catch myself doing it a lot one of the things that's wrong with me is I will name drop two fucking three people, three people all the time. Oh, maybe it's because I'm talking to them a lot, but like Bill Burr said something. That's one of my thing, my problems, but Bill Burr said, uh, exactly what you just said is there is something interesting in, uh, 
it is an underdog story. Everyone out here was an underdog at one point. Now they're successful. And now people are tearing them down because they have the nice house. You forget they were the underdog at one point. Mm -hmm. You were rooting for them to get successful. Now that they do, and they're self unaware that they have a nice kitchen behind them. And they're like, I want to raise money for charity. Uh, Imagine all the, he's like, it's so fucking interesting that that is everyone's, everyone strives for more. Everyone does. Mm -hmm. There's something there's talking about a cheat. There's something that that like, you know, people people like talent it, when when famous people, successful people, you know, cheat on their wives or, you know, do, you know, fuck somebody in the ass that they weren't supposed to do or whatever the problem is. Yeah. But man, could they sing? You know, there's something about that. The 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 cleaner, the nicer, the more fair uh, hack to that thing is self-awareness when people like when people know what they're doing, it doesn't excuse them from it, but it does like. All right, I'll listen. Tell me, tell me why. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to agree with it, but you have my attention. And just when when people are, that's what back when we were talking at the beginning about people starting something and like, listen, if you don't want to mix this and if you want the the quality to be horrible and there be a lag, uh, I mean, know it. Yeah. When when people are unaware, and that's where I struggle right now. I'm thinking like, who cares? And then oh, I get. No. I care. See, I love, but it's interesting is that the things you dislike in a podcast are sometimes my favorite things about a party podcast. What? what like, how so? I, I love imperfections in podcasts. I love imperfections are different than doing it bad. Yeah. Oh, I've, I've, how do you, how do you deal with, um, how do you deal with, it's interesting you say that. How do you deal with, uh, online criticism like trolls and stuff? Do you, do they work you up? Uh, I say no now, but I don't feel like I'm uh, I'm going to be immune to it. Oh no, I, mean, I get I'm I'm very susceptible, very susceptible to to like uh, I want I want to see what's inside the ark. You know what I mean? The uh, like the the ark as in like the animals in the ship? No, no, no. Like in in uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark when they were like, oh, we yeah, got yeah. it here. Should we see what's inside it? And they're like, even though you know look. it's not good for you. Yeah, I, everything. I there was a. Uh, there was um, <laughs> top five, top 10 live streams from comics you have to see. Now, I don't even do a live stream, okay? I have no live stream that I'm doing. But in that fantasy world, I go, I wonder if I made the list. <laughs> so just that you didn't even, nothing bad was even said. You just didn't make a list of something that you're not eligible for. And then I, was, I'm, by the way, I don't even do one. And then I'm right. shitting on the list. I'm like, fuck this guy. I can't. I, uh, I can read, we were doing the, um, comedy store thing the other night, the live stream to raise money. <laughs> Dude, I'm such, by the way, I'm being super honest and vulnerable. So if you guys want to call me on my bullshit, please call me. But remember that I'm a sensitive guy, <laughs> but I got so upset because they were like, uh, they, were, I mean, I got so upset just in like, I logged on going, Hey, we're going live in 10. And some guy just wrote. Hey, Bert, your special was garbage. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and so I subtly was doing the whole live stream, hoping he was still watching and I was going to kill. And then this one 17-year-old kid who was, didn't connect with me because I didn't have a great rape joke that he wanted. Uh, fucking, I, it's so funny that, but then, but then, and then I got like frustrated because they were like, they were like uh, stars like Dave Chappelle, Bill Burr, uh, Whitney Cummings, Neil Brennan uh, raised money for the comedy store. 
And I'm like, I'm like, motherfucker, I gave five grand. Like in my head, I was like, you're not going to like, it's just, and then I'm like, Bert, what do you want? Do you want them to write Bert Kreischer gave $5,000 gives like, a shit, you know? It's so fucking, it's funny because it's funny because it's like, I've been having a very hard time with creativity lately. Like not being inspired. Yeah, I'm not inspired at all. I'm at all. You think like, something about you doing two to three of these a week is just draining you? I think so. Maybe, yeah. I'm I do three, one a week and it drains me. Two to me. three a week. I'm doing two a day. Yeah, you. I mean, you're going to do your thing, but I yeah. mean, I don't know if people realize. I didn't realize this until seven, eight months into my podcast. The tangible energy that is exhausted just from a conversation, because we are performing and we do care, and you're connecting, and especially now when there's like for me at least. I have to set everything up and it's just, it's, it's taxing. And, and I, and I agree with you, but to do that many a day, how I, the first that, bit I've come up with this whole, I mean, I've had a few times where I've recognized jokes that I could put in my, but I have no place to try them out. So I'm kind of just putting, putting them pins in them. But the first bit that made me giggle hard today was I was watching, uh, I watch a lot of DIY network mm-hmm. and, uh, one of the, one of the, the little, tricks when they do DIY network is um, a lot of voiceover and then a lot of like stock music fills. Right. So today I was watching and I had my guitar and I said, I wonder if I could guess these stock music fills. I wonder if I could play them. And I was like, yeah, yeah, they're all basic. I mean, they're all going to be GCD. Like they're, they're all basic chord structure. It's going to be a D E or G C D or A E B like it's and I was like, oh wow. And then I was like, oh my God, I want to write the rest of the song. I'm gonna take the first, I'm gonna take one of the stock fills that music fills, and then I'm gonna grab one thing out of the voiceover, and then I'm gonna write the rest of the song. And I was like, I'll do that. And then I get and then I just get depressed and I go. I, I just look like all the thirsty comics going, hey, guys, I'm live streaming. Hey, guys, uh, I'm, I got uh, this qu- uh, quarantine bit, you know? And I'm like, and then I just, and then I'm like, well, what am, I'm just going to go work out. Fuck it. Like, what am I, you know? It's like yeah. almost like a deflating. Well, that, that goes back to the thing that we were talking about of, of, of filling in the blanks. And you're not even filling the blanks for you. You're filling them in for the other people and oh, yeah. trying to make sure that you are invited to the to dinner. And I, I and my thoughts on that, and I do have to connect with that sometimes, is there's, that's not sustainable. There's no right or wrong. The only way that I decide I can or I, I should or I shouldn't, and who knows if I'm right, is just based on my intention. Am I doing this because I want a look at me and I feel that other people are putting out more content? If that's the case, then I could easily remove the control and be like, that doesn't make me feel good. That's what it is. That's what it is. That's what it is. Say the other one, though. Say the other one you're going to say, or. Um, I'm recording this right now on my camera. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the, uh, like from behind the TV and, and you could see my puppet and my drinks and blah, blah, blah. The re- I don't know if I'm going to do anything with it. The reason I'm doing that is I was thinking if you come onto my podcast, it would be fun. Instead of just cutting to this footage, we could cut to this footage. I don't know yeah. what that even means, but I just have more stuff. That shit gets me amped up. Like just oh, yeah. fun. Like, like we are, I have this, I've talked about this on podcast, but I have this theory of every joke exists in the world we don't come up with it we just see it you know what i'm saying and you pick it it's like you have the piece of clay and we're not we're removing stuff to have something show you know and and when i get locked into this place of creativity and being inspired and playing and having fun and i don't know what i'm going to do with it it's not about the product it's about me playing 
And that gets me amped up. And then there's no, if people like, oh, you're just trying to do this. And I don't know if they ever would. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Like, okay, <laughs> like yeah. whatever. And then let me continue editing and putting in cartoon penises or whatever the fuck I'm making. But when you're inspired and, you're do, and your intention is for craft or for entertainment or to, to work out, to heal yourself, whatever it is, there's nothing else. It doesn't matter. There's nothing else to calculate. It's so, so funny. It's so funny. The playfulness of creativity is what inspires me. I got on the treadmill and I'm finishing watching this documentary on this guy, Mr. Cartoons, who did all the tattoos on all the hip hop guys, like all the tattoos. And it's just the greatest names in hip hop saying how brilliant he is, how he is the best. No one comes close to how he is. And I thought, I wish I, I had people saying that about me. And then I went, I could just steal these guys talking about Mr. Cartoons and just edit out his name and then just make it about me. And then I was like, oh, that's what I'll do. I'm just going to go on and get every celebrity talking glowingly about whatever it is and slowly have it build until you realize I've stolen it. So make it look real yeah, and yeah, then make great. it look bigger and then have, you know, Chris Hemsworth in front of the Avengers set and go, it was a real, like make it so that it's obvious that I've stolen it, but have people realize it. For, and I was like, oh, fuck. Oh, and then I'm like sending out a text and I'm going, hey, can someone help me pull footage? But the creativity, the playing and creativity is so much fun. I'd like to pitch it out for that, that video. So you, you have these things and you treat it real and maybe you even start with people that have been on your podcast before or you know, associated to one degree. And then you build it to Hemsworth or whatever that the girls with huge tits or you know, whatever is like the hardest thing to get or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then, oh, it's obviously not. And then, uh, then it, it comes to uh, where it's on you or whatever. And then you pull out and, and the person that was talking, if you could get Hemsworth or whatever that version is, get one person and reveal them in your living room. And it turns out, oh, it all was real. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> if it was Hemsworth, my wife would want to fuck him. Yeah, but no disrespect to your wife. This has nothing to do with your wife, but yeah. who doesn't? She's not, he's not yeah. going to fuck her. So yeah, it's fine. I don't know, maybe just to get back at me. Why, why is Hemsworth mad at you? <laughs> you shit at his house or something? <laughs> what if he just has a vendetta? This, I always, I never think that like one day you'll find out that there's a been a vendetta like that. I was telling Bill Burr the other day, I did it again. I fucking, by the way, I'm just giving credit to the person I was speaking to. I was telling someone the other day. Just say, well, just say the name. It's not yeah. name. It's not name dropping. Bleep, you're going to bleep all your names anyway. Yeah. I, uh, a long time ago, about almost over, well over a year, some guy got a hold of my number and he sent me some very, very uncomfortable texts. Like really, like the way he was talking to me, he didn't know me, but he was just kind of like picking at me. And he was like, Hey Bert, I got your number is, I know you're awake. I saw you on Instagram. Text Ooh. me back. Like it was really aggressive. And I thought I have a, I have a mantra of, uh, that, that keeps me up at night and it, it's, uh, you think I'm weak? Like it's, that's my mantra. It's when Ari drugged me, I, it, that was the one that fucked me up the most is I go, I looked at him and I was like, so wait, do you like, that was, I was like, you're my friend, you know, my mantra and you did it to me anyway. Like, why do you really think I'm weak? And he was like, Oh my God, that's like, so that's my thing. So I've been waiting. Uh, I've been waiting a very long time to fuck with this guy. He doesn't know it's coming. He's forgotten that he texted me. I'm certain of it. And, uh, and I had an opportunity to get back at him. And I've started the balls in motion. But there's nothing that I, when I go, Chris Hemworth, get back to me. I sometimes think, I wonder how many times I've cut people off in traffic. I didn't know who it was. It was Bill Lawrence. I didn't recognize him. But Bill Lawrence goes, that's that comic. 
fuck that guy. One day he's going to get his. See, you know what I mean? That's why you always wave. Yeah. Chris Hemsworth. I cut him off in traffic one time. And he was like, that's so, so funny. He doesn't know that's me. I'm up tinted windows, but I know that fucking guy. I'm going to fuck fun, his wife. And how fun would it be to have beef with the Hemsworth though? You know, <laughs> like trying to figure out ways. Fuck. He, he's so much higher than me. How, how do I get back at Hemsworth? What are you planning? <laughs> you know, <laughs> why do you, there's also the, 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 you wanting to take people validating um, this cartoon guy and yeah. put it on you. On a, on, a, on, a, on a third level layer, how funny that is to me and how dark it is that like you're doing that for the funny, but just the truth is also like how bad we want people to say how great we are, that it's Ooh. funny to pretend that these people would think I'm great. Wouldn't it be funny if Chris Hemsworth thought I was great? I don't know. I, I, you're great. <laughs> Why wouldn't he think you're great? <laughs> you know, it's so dark. I mean, just this, this world of like, <laughs> And this is this whole podcast fraternity high school thing of like, you, and, and I'm using this name because it's a, it's a big one. Theo probably w- wouldn't do my podcast. That's fine. But you know, but, but, and this is my projection. Theo probably wouldn't do my podcast. But if I started getting 150,000 views, he probably would. I don't know if that's true or not. But that idea of like, is my podcast not good enough? Am, am I not good enough? Am, are we not friends? Am I not funny? Which is an irrational, like, like when I check in with myself, I realize, oh, this, uh, this is just what the things are. And it's, you know, these are these tools I'm trying to figure out and realize, oh, everybody's just, nobody's, everyone's just doing their own thing. But like this, this need for people to like us is very complicated because on one hand, it's out of our control and it doesn't matter. But on the other hand, it's our living. And is necessary to become successful to like, as far as standup is concerned, you do this for 10, 20 years at a certain point, you can't please everybody. But at a certain point, when people are coming to see you, you found your demo and now they all like you, relatively speaking. To do that, to do that in a podcast when they're not there to see you, they're there to see your guest. I now, you come over and, and I don't think I would do this, but I know there'd be a part of me that's thinking about it. And then even now I'm talking about it. There's a part that's like, should I not wear my, like, I think it's funny to wear merch. I have six lead merch and I wear it all the time. And then I found out that people thought I really wanted them to buy the, the who's buying a six lead shirt? Who gives a shit? But I got insecure that people thought my intention was what it wasn't. So then I would not wear it, which was just as dark because now I'm manipulating things in a different way. And now I'm not present because I'm trying to control things. And it's just like, oh, who gives a shit? This is where I'm in my head. It's like, I'm just, I communicate too much of this stuff, but I've gotten so good at it. I've gotten so good at just being back to where I was pre-diagnosis of just living my life and finding my demo. And eventually you reach your equilibrium. People that like you and you like them, it's easy. But then I invite people into my house where, ooh, this this episode's going to get, you know, close to 100,000 views. I want this to be a good one. And then it's game over and it sucks. And the only way I know how to deal with it is to be able to talk about it like yeah. I am here. And then I get insecure because like, oh, such a self-indulgent, you know, anyway. No, I, let me tell you something. That thing you said about Theo and I, I won't, I don't know about Theo per se. All I know is that Theo was my friend throughout the story I'm about to tell you is everyone was cool with me. Uh, when I was like a younger comic, everyone was cool. And then I kind of tapped out, did travel channel. And then when I got fired from travel channel, put out a special, no one watched it. 
and was and was like kind of lost. It was interesting. I I call it survivor's remorse because I would go to the store and people and I know who they are personally uh, who were maybe believed they were either more successful than me at the time or felt more successful or even maybe were more successful would look over my shoulder because I was no one to them. I was a ghost. I I wasn't important because I didn't have any value to them. I, I, they didn't want me on their podcast because they didn't maybe, maybe podcast a bad example because I've always been pretty good on podcasts, but like they didn't care to me. They would listen. They would not listen to my story. And I felt very lost. I felt very empty. I remember I've told the story a number of times about coming off stage, being having my shirt off, being in whatever dad jeans, not cool shoes I was in, and seeing Dalia. And someone I was talking to that was ignoring me was like waiting to talk to Dalia. And Dalia had like, the, he had the car that we saw in the Audi dealership. He had the one that was in the showroom. He, that was the one he was at, driving. And I remember looking at Audi's going, not only can I not afford that version of that car in the lot, I definitely can't afford that car. But I remember feeling that way, being in that skin and finding out who my friends were, you know, meaning like, like who would talk to me and who, who didn't care that I was, I didn't provide a hundred thousand views to them, or or I didn't provide any social worth to them or whatever, physical, financial worth to them. And then when things changed for me and I started selling tickets, the machine story went viral. Tom and I started fucking around with each other. And whatever, for whatever reason, things, maybe my next special, whatever the fuck happened, where all of a sudden I had worth, it was fascinating who stopped to talk to me. And you never, f- you'll never forget it. Never forget it as long as, I, as long as I live. And I'll never forget guys like Theo who always talked to me. Theo always talked to me. Like always, both sides of that fence, Theo would stop and talk to me. And it's really fascinating. Tiffany Haddish, by the way, I she, <laughs> she spoke to me before. Like I haven't seen her since, but like, Tiffany Haddish was very sweet and she was a movie star and would stop to talk to you. And you go, wow, you don't need to talk to me. Like, uh, like you got a lot yeah, of people. Well, that, to see that, that is less to do with what value you have to offer and more to do with what people want out of relationships. Yeah. And when with, talking about telling someone they have bad breath or a booger in their nose, when that shit happens with me, when, when uh, there's this or, or whatever, I, I say right away, Hey man, why don't you go have that conversation? And then it's, I'm out. I, yeah. I, I have no tolerance for it. It's, it's, so it's it sucks so much because so many people are that way that means what's left it's just slim pickings <laughs> you know like the people that the people that i get to be friends with now because of the type of people they are i don't even know if i want to be friends with them maybe i'm like you know what i mean it's like i'll be friends with you because i, I you know i guess you're not that funny but like you're you know you're present <laughs> you know <laughs> So many people, and um, and I'm not famous by any means, but a door, a, a shift happened once I booked that, that NBC show, and then I started to see it, and and just the, the people that weren't talking to me that then started talking to me, and at first I loved it because I felt like, ooh, I'm in now, and now learning the things I've learned, I'm really looking back, really grossed out, both at myself for enjoying it, and at the people, and realizing like, oh, and that's why I get so grossed out about myself wanting people because I do it's not I don't just want people on because it would get views but yeah it, it's it yes I'm not I can't lie to myself having people on to get you views is part of the game I yeah. just can't pretend it doesn't exist I'm okay with it if I could acknowledge it see I'm 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 I know that I need I need names to get views but I go I don't need every podcast to get I don't need every podcast to be 
I don't need ever. I think I feel I look at someone I, and I think I benefited from this. Like Joe had me on his podcast when I didn't definitely get him any fucking views. Like mm-hmm. he just had me because he was interested in me and he liked me. And so I try to look for that in people, find people I'm interested in that I like that I go, well, that was the easy conversation. And then my thing is, I, I know for a fact that if, so I'm going to use a perfect example, Sam Morrell, right? Mm-hmm. Sam Morrell's a brilliant joke writer. I've known Sam forever. The first time I had Sam on my podcast, I'll just use uh, like, uh, I, I, I'll, I'll use base, we'll pretend they're YouTube numbers. Say he had like 15,000 views on YouTube. I was like, well, that's great, but he deserves more than that. I'm going to have him on again. And then I had him on again. And then everyone's like, oh, I I remember this guy for the first time. He was funny. And then in my head, you go, the people that you're really interested in, you build a relationship with them on the podcast to your fans. So your fans know them, like Danish and O'Neill or or, or Sam Morrell or Sam Tripoli or guys who aren't uh, like household names, like say like a, a Guy Fieri or... Joe Rogan or Dom Segura or Bill Burr or these bigger names, you have them on a lot. And then, then you get guys who you have not only access with, but you've developed uh, access to, but you've developed a, a kind of a camaraderie, a back and forth with. And it's almost like just bringing on a co-host and you don't have to like, it's not a, it's a very easy podcast to do. And now it's like the last one I released with Sam Rell was my first Zoom and it had tons of fucking views yeah. on YouTube. And I was like, I'm so glad that, I'm I'm not doing it for Sam's career. I mean, I'm sure he sees that I'm doing it for his career in some way. I'm doing it for my career also, where I go, I can have a very easy conversation with a guy that I really like. And 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 now we've built it so that yeah. my fans go, Oh, it's Sam. We love Sam. You know, it's so I know what you're saying a little bit. Yeah, that 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 is a rule I set for myself because I knew that uh, I found that having big name I mean it depends on who it is, right? But th- as far as a product is concerned, not the numbers. The ones that are the best are just like any show that you like when the relationships are good with each other. So I made sure that, you know, you, you try to get a big one every now and then because of the momentum. Mm-hmm. But my favorite ones to do are like I, ha- I have I've done three with my dad and my cousin. And we I just, just saw that. I just super saw that stoned. later. The, the second Earlier. one I did, the, the second one I did, the dad and Teddy, the uh, second one is my favorite episode I've ever done. And it gets such great reaction. And and like I started uh, I, before I got advertisers, I would cut to my dad has a rug store in Northeast Ohio. Uh, it's a local small business that I would I would snap and I'd cut to my and I do the voiceover for his commercials, so it looks like I'm making it for the podcast. I cut to his commercials. Now I have I have I mean I have merch for my dad's rug store, and I have people buying my dad's rug store merch and wanting them on and having people on that that are family is is and I want to I want to do a podcast with my mom and my dad and have it be a separate podcast. It's so much better. And people once they see them on once then they start to know who they are. I agree with you. I love it. My yes. dad called me today that he read some comments. My dad doesn't I didn't know what comments were until, you know, the second time he was on. <laughs> and he's like I love how people cuz I put on my Instagram I I've been doing it for a year and tag your name your favorite guests. And so many made my dad he's like and it makes me feel so good people like me and think, you know, it's like that's so cool. My dad's getting comments and it's just a, it's just a beautiful thing. My dad, oh, he got an email. I want to say my dad got an email uh, and he just sent it to me. Hey, I'm a little embarrassed reaching out. I found you guys on, on, on take your shoes off podcast is the price. Cause my dad came out and we were doing joke ads and he's, yeah. he suggested a certain deal on a rug and the guy took him up on it. My dad got a rug sale from this thing. I'm like, this is the, like, 
Imagine oh. if I could really get my dad's sales, you know? But no, but I, I think that's so cool is like, I did, uh, I did a read from one of my buddies has a restaurant in Tampa, Ty Rodriguez, Rooster in the Till. And I did a thing on Instagram. Shout out to Rooster in the Till. Shout out to Rooster in the Till. And Ty was like, hit me up. He's like, dude, thank you. You didn't have to do that. Like, that really helped us out. And what's going on with the economy right now, people ordered in, said they heard you talk about us on Cowhead or heard you. And I was like, oh, yeah. And then you go, like, I, like I, I had this fantasy of um, reaching out to companies that are struggling and saying, uh, That's like, nice. in, in, in places where I know that, uh, that my, my podcast numbers are big and go, listen, if you change the name of your business to Burt's dot, 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 and uh, I'll do free advertising, but you got to make merch and I want to sell merch through your show. It's like, I, I wanted to they actually change their business's name. I wanted to, I wanted to, this was my fucking brilliant idea. I was looking to find a bait shop in a place that was doing not great business and go, Hey, let me help you. I don't want ownership in your business, but I want, I want to do ads for your business, but I want to change it to Bird's bait shop. So what I do is like a Johnny Appleseed of failing businesses. I would do ad reads for them. This is a very early on in my, my, ways to change the business i had so many ways because we you, like like the same way when gary goldman and i were young comics we would fantasize about how we would get on the road and how we become features and we'd come up with a bunch of different scenarios when advertising was intangible un, in, intangible in, in podcasting i couldn't figure out how that would work so my one of my business things was i changed these businesses to Burt's dot 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 right Burt's dot 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 all these failing businesses, I'll give them free ad reads, but I can sell the merch based off their business. So I'm not helping them. I know. That's the most narcissistic. Hey, I'll tell you what, you want your business to thrive? Call it Burt Kreishner's coffee and tea. And I get, I get all the merch. And then people, people are going to drive by and be like, Burt Kreishner has coffee. I got to give them business. Well, it's got to be, no, it was, just, it's got to it's got to be in places where my podcast was successful. So oh, like Calgary, Calgary, Ohio, like there was only like at the time, there was only like eight markets I could do well in, but I wanted to just people to go, shut up. Bert started a bait shop here. Shut up. And then they come in, they'd be like, Hey man, Bert does, is this Bert's bait? And they're like, yeah, yeah. Bert Kreischer. Yeah. He's a, you believe that man, that guy's a podcast. He, he bought us all out. They're like, well, fuck, I'll support this place. And that was my way of, it was a, it was a bit. Why fuck. not, I, why not just like have them have a, a Burt Kreischer cupcake, you know, and then you could promote your item in their place without having them get a new billboard. Okay. By the way, by the way, I did that as well. Okay. Like I definitely, <laughs> I did that too. I have a, I have a flip-flop line coming out uh, based off my favorite flip-flop company. Oh. I, I, I am, I, I have, my dad has t- told me a number of times Buddy, you are good at a very few things. Stick with those things. You don't need to be a bar owner. I wanted to open a bar called Rickshaws. Right on, right on, uh, on. And we have five Rickshaws. By the way, it's named Rick as in the dude Rick Shaws. It's his bar. But we have five Rickshaws on. And if you live within a half a mile, we would pick you up in a Rickshaw and take you to the bar. And then we'd take you home at night from the Rickshaw. And it was like, but the rickshaws were advertising because they're on. It's like, it's my brilliant idea. I had so many fucking ideas. I had an idea when I worked at Travel Channel to open up. I wanted to pair up with um, some sort of uh, hedge fund and buy Airbnbs. Bert's, Bert's house in Costa Rica. Bert's house in Clearwater. Bert's house in Rome. 
so that when you traveled, you didn't have to worry about where you're going to stay. You knew you were going to stay at Bert's place. And, and I would have all the research. It would be the great part of town to live in. As an expert on Travel Channel, I would have all the restaurants locked in. And then all that would be all the information that you'd get in there. And then you'd go to Bert's place in, in Costa Rica. And I, my, I'd have a car there waiting for you. I'd have a buddy who would pick you up at the airport, drop you up. Where are you, getting so many- the, where are you getting the buddy in Costa Rica to pick everybody up from the airport? This is this guy, Carlos, that I met in Costa Rica. You met a guy, you met one guy in Costa Rica who's going to be the driver for your business? He's a, well, he, you ready? I mean, if we really want to get into this, he also had an adventure. Uh, he had an adventure business, right? So he would take you zip lining and stuff like that in the jungle. So the tie-in was, we'd put this under the rug, right? But Carlos would pick you up and take you in. And they'd be like, so what's fun to do here, Carlos? And he's like, well, I can take you zip lining. And they're like, oh, we'd love to go zip lining. So I'd be doing business with Carlos. So we were teaming up. That was my... I, perfect. Yeah. Thank you. That's all I want to hear. Yeah, it's perfect. And can I tell you something? And I'm not sure because of the connection. Breath smells unbelievable. Hey, do we live by each other? Uh, I'm in. I'm in. Me too. Yeah, I live right by where I saw you. Yeah, well, we don't need to give more details on this, but yeah. Okay, nice. Yeah, I would love to. When this comes down, I would love to have you over. Uh, Yeah. When are you? Are you doing just Zooms right now? I'm not doing it in Zoom. I'm doing. I, I. I'm doing. I'm doing too much. I love that you batted your eyes at that, that you were like, hold on one second. I care about this, Bert. No, no, Bert. I'm not, I'm not doing it on Zoom with a, with a snowball mic, you piece of shit. <laughs> you want to have By the people- way, my fucking audio sounds better than 90% of the people doing podcasts. And my setup, I have set this up. I have a light panel right there. I have all this is, it looks, I did hot ones and it sounds. I watched your so hot good. ones. It looks, it does look good. It looks good and it sounds good, right? But can I tell you something? Please. Mine sound better than or as good as 100% of people. <laughs> you know, use this. But I, I, I would, but my, my podcast guy, Halston. Nope, talk to him gonna, today. Talk to him before the podcast. You're going to start changing starting after this. For real, Halston, yeah. you, are you paying attention? You should work with, 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 with uh, Shore and have a Burt Kreishner microphone. So if you want people to sound like you, they could buy the Burt Kreischer microphone. I'm only going to do this because I know you would do this. And this makes me so uncomfortable. You're saying my last name wrong. I would never say I'm that. I'm glad ever. you told me. What, say, In a say, million fucking years, I would say never right. say that. Kreischer. Kreischer. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's a, No, no. You don't have to apologize. I already feel uncomfortable that I said that. Uh, but I'm only doing it because... because, because <laughs> let, this be, let there be more. <laughs> let there be more. And you know what? Now it's Kreishner, I think. And now I'll say it right. Or, or if I say it wrong, you'll say it again. And also, and, and here's where I, I just got, it couldn't be the coffee. Like I just got some type of like oxytocin rush or something. Because I love that you. Oh, wait, now, now I feel safe that you could say like, we've been doing this podcast for however, however long you're doing it. What if, you, what if there's a world where you're like, okay, I want to find an ending. Just say, let's end it. Like, I don't have to worry about to somebody, you know what I'm saying? It's so much easier. Just tell me my breath is bad. Just I'm going I'm I'm to start. I'm going to start. It's, I always looked at it as standing up for myself. It's not standing up for myself. It's just being open and telling, like they did a thing about hand massages and telling uh, what the person, what, the, what you liked and what you didn't like. And I was like, fuck that. I could never tell you what I didn't like. I could never do that. I could only tell you what stuff I liked. Could I, could I, could I kind of open that up for a minute? It's maybe yeah. going to take a minute. I haven't articulated this to myself yet, but this, this, I, this people pleasing, not wanting to upset, not wanting confrontation is so selfish 
because what you're what well, I say you, but I'm saying one. Say me, say me. Yeah. What one you are are actually doing is you're trying to manipulate how the other person sees you. And it's it's fake, it's unsustainable, it drains you, and it also doesn't allow you to have people say your name right or have the right breath. So we get to go fuck this blonde and this dirty blonde big tit bitches. You know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, you know, big tit ladies. And okay, so yeah, here's where it is. If we if we if you could stop seeing this as like if you could start seeing this as you not wanting to say something and start recognizing how controlling and manipulative that is, it kind of changes the perspective of, hey, you're not you're not you're not a bad person because you're saying my name wrong. You must have not known it. Yeah. Anyway, I just have really here's I have really strong opinion because I it wasn't until I was 32 that I found out that I was annoying. What if people told me this when I was 16? You know, like, yeah, when Bill sent me that email, it was like, thank you. So I now as a person will also believe that just fucking if you can't hear from me that you have bad breath and your energy's fucked, you yeah. suck. <laughs> <laughs> you know, also, I hey, man, next time we're with girls I, and I now know, oh, you can't tell him his breath is bad because it changes his energy. But I don't want to be around these girls and through association, be a disgusting person. I'm going to have to say to you, hey, Bert, listen, we either we either don't go see these girls or you figure it out. Yeah. You know, and at a certain point, you get kicked out of enough poker games and basketball games and you can't sit in the bucket seats. It's easy to just say, hey, man, could you do me a favor? Could you put in, you know, anyway, I just have strong opinions and I'm, I'm very happy that you did it. Dude, this has been a great fucking podcast. Yeah, this was fun. I appreciate it, man. This is I, I, I it's so interesting because I didn't know how we would get along watching your podcast. I was like, I wonder, I wonder if like I'll drive him fucking nuts. I wonder if we'll connect. And dude, right off the bat, I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Hey, man. Um, uh, I go on podcasts and I do what I'm about to do with you. Um, but you don't really edit these the same way. Uh, so no obligations. But in every podcast I've done uh, for the past maybe six months, I snap my fingers and they cut to my dad's five second rug commercial. Okay, we can do that. Thank you. Real quick, we're going to uh uh cut to uh cut to uh, cut to our sponsor. If you're looking for just the right flooring, you need choices. And at Marshall Carpet One, you'll certainly find them. That was Marshall Rug Gallery. Thank you for checking it out. Thank you for having me, you know. Shout out to Marshall Rug Gallery. Oh, great. <laughs> and uh all right, I guess when this great. gets over, I want to do your podcast. Yeah, um, my OC, I don't, part of me wants to just do it. Uh, I almost want to do it on my balcony and have the door, like have guests out there. But I, I you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know when we, that'll happen. We, we did, we did a couple before when the pandemic was out, and it was all social distancing. But it actually tweaked my OCD worse than I thought it would because I was like, I, "What do you I mean? Would, you're saying you're saying having people over during this?" Yeah, it's been it's kind of fucked with my OCD. And it, and and it and I and I don't set boundaries up, and I don't like my cousin came over. We had to shoot something, and my cousin was on tour with me. Drove from New Orleans to L.A. in the tour bus together. If we if anyone was infected, we infected each other. We were nonstop together, and then we went like to different houses for like a couple days, and then he came over. But for whatever happened in those couple of days, I was very short with him, and very like I I was just I was very rude, and I was like short and like kind of like getting my space and 
And he didn't understand at all. And then all of a sudden he was like, do you not want me over or something? And I was like, I was like, Hey man, I I'm so sorry. This really messes with my OCD Mm -hmm. to have you over. I don't know why, but it just, I feel very like when you come home and you wash your hands, you feel like I'm here. I'm in my, I know I can touch my face now. I don't have to worry about things, but out there you got to touch everything and then wash and rinse. And so, yeah, I feel like, I feel like I wonder, I hope that goes away when everyone, when the, you know, when we figure things out. Yeah. I'm so curious of like, you know, even when there's a vaccine because it's a virus, it's, and they mutate. Are we like, will it just like every year there's, there's flu, there's flu season, but, and there's COVID season. And like, you know, there's, we could treat it better, but it just always exists. My girlfriend uh, believes that the way things already have been in Japan, the, the new world is just always masks are always going to be a thing. Oh, I, w- I won't let it. I won't, I won't be that guy. I, I'll fucking take Xanax every day and drink and just figure perfect. it out. Yeah, perfect. Uh, and for people that think like you, it might be nice if we could have, if you could team up with Xanax and have a, a, a BERT uh, anti-anxiety pill. Oh, and- by the way, I'm already, I just Googled your fucking edibles. What, what are, what do you like about those edibles? Cause I might get some. Okay. So Kiva's process is, I'm, I'm not saying they're the only ones that does this, but their process is it's, it's basically cold pressing. They extra, the way they extract, and I don't understand it well enough, but the way they extract their weed is done in a way that to my understanding is top level. And then all, so all of their edibles just work. Now the, the the strands that I like the best are any of their chocolates, but the gummies are fun. It's this. And one. these are Camino Wild Cherry Excite. Yeah. And those are Kivas. Okay. And uh, I don't know what your tolerance is, but very low. I uh, I am okay with weed, but even these, I, a half of one gets me in a good place. A full How many one, milligrams are they? Just five. Oh yeah. Oh okay. Yeah. A half gets me in a good place, and a five gets me lit up in a good way. Like it's not too much, but like if I want to get high, I just eat one. It takes forty-five minutes, and then at least the way I metabolize it for the next four hours, it just gradually goes a little bit. Like I never need to have another one. It just goes a little bit more, a little bit more. Love it, and I don't cough. All right, I gotta get some of those. I gotta get. I've, I've been. I've been having. I was just sharing with a friend today that I get very depressed. I'm. I, I, one of the other things I've noticed about myself is I consistently tell people how much I haven't been drinking, but I get depressed at like four o'clock, like right around now, there's a depression that sits in. Cause I know that all I got left is dinner and a movie. That's it. And it's like, there's no, I don't get any reward. Cause normally I'd have a cigar and have a drink and sit out back and I'd really slow down, but I don't get that. And I'm cool with not getting it, but a depression is kicking out around like, my wife will walk back in a little bit and go, what are you going to do? What do, we, what do you want to do for dinner? And it just bums me out. Not bad, but just bums me out. And I've been thinking about eating uh, not tons of milligrams, but like, you know, five milligrams. Yeah, microdosing, And just seeing if that will make my, knife, my night a tad bit lighter and gigglier and just enjoy a movie. And yeah, it, I get uh, uh, sometimes I try not to do it when I feel myself relying on it. Uh, and, and we'll end this in a second. I don't want to because it's a whole conversation talking about addiction and blah, blah, blah. But there's sometimes I don't do it because like I don't want to have to do this. Yeah. But there's something about the time we're in right now and not having these. I'm not going outside and not connecting in ways that I'd like to be able to connect where I've just. I've. What happened? Halston? I don't know. I, I think he. Uh... His 
thing dropped out. By the way, my fucking screen looks amazing. Yeah, perfect lighting. I mean, it really does look... For someone who was just bragging about a setup, I really fucking murdered it. 100%. I love that you could tell I had a snowball. Oh, yeah, we talked about it earlier. We set up... He wanted to know if he could uh, hook up the uh, H6. He's calling me now. H6, oh, yeah? So I realized I forgot to plug my computer and I just plugged it in. I could turn it on and do a pickup just to end it or we could just leave it as it is. Tell him it's perfect as it is. It's perfect as it is. Tell him I said thank you. Thanks for having me on, guys. Hey, thank you very much, Rick. That was awesome, man. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, thank you. And uh, if you, if, since we live so close, I'm happy to throw these over my balcony if you want to swing by um, and get some now or today or whenever. Hey, will you text him my phone number? Yeah. Austin? Okay. Tell him I'll text him. Uh, All right, buddy. Thank you. All right. That was a great podcast. Don't you think, Austin? Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. We've been banging out some good ones. All right, everyone. That's the end of the podcast. I hope you guys have a great day. Stay safe. God bless. Austin, anything to promote? Nope. All right. Make sure to check out that rug place. I'm going to go. My wife's standing outside right now going, what are we doing for dinner? Fucking shit. Eating microdosed edibles. All right. I'll talk to you later, buddy. Thank you, Halston. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Later. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.